0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show
0: at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio. Good morning,
2: everybody. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Buckle in. Here we go. It's Friday, by the way. And Ben has made an appearance then you're back, such a surprise.
3: Yeah, it was m- mental health break, right? That's what that was yesterday. Um, <clears throat> mental health breakdown. Well,
4: it was more of an analysis. Oh, it, really? it wasn't for me, like it was. It was ordered. So. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It
2: was from upstairs. Yeah. It was a mandatory break so that we could,
3: you know. It wasn't like a state evaluation. Well, the state's coming in next week. Oh. Yeah, this week it's just, it's just more of a corporate. Get all these
2: emails yeah, mixed t- up. Yeah,
4: today was corporate, next week's state, and mm-hmm. then next month is federal. Federal. Wow. Yeah, it was a bad—it
3: was a bad— We week. do broadcast nationwide, so— Yeah, we, do. We, try to, we try to touch all the
2: bases. Hey, uh, got a great show for you today. We are going to be talking about the polarized Supreme Court, the most polarized Supreme Court, maybe in history, according to our next guest. Can you believe that? I believe it. We're the most polarized country at least that we've been for 100 years, I bet. Probably. At least in I mean, our in our own memory. I mean, yeah. Especially <laughs> in my memory, it's never been this polarized. But when you also watch the debate last night, that's two no, two New Yorkers.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, a, a Chicagoan via Little Rock,
3: Arkansas, New Yorker. Yeah, and then a guy that's lived in Vermont for 40 yeah, years. Yeah, then a
2: Vermont, a Brooklynite, is- Vermont, yeah. Two New Yorkers battling. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the big debate between uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Also find out about Trump and – no, Cruz and Kasich uh, on TV last night, MSNBC. And we're going to see that apparently Donald Trump interviewed Ted Cruz. Sort of. Yeah, through comedically comedically through jimmy fallon yes so we'll get to all of that but first let's look at the headlines terry south what's going on around the rest of the country
3: the new york post announced its endorsement in the uh, republican presidential race for donald trump ahead of the state's primary next week though the post described trump as a potential superstar a vast promise the publication's support hangs on the expectation that should he win the nomination he would pivot To be more presidential, better informed on policy, more self-disciplined, and less thin-skinned. The editorial board went on to criticize the businessman's policies on foreign policy, trade, and immigration as rookie mistakes, but lauded him as an imperfect messenger carrying a vital message. The Post added, he reflects the best of New York values and offers the best hope for all Americans who rightly feel betrayed by the political class. Hmm. So we endorse
2: Donald Trump, based on the belief that he
3: would change everything entirely. He
2: said. Yes,
3: wow, that's a great <laughs> endorsement. A great <laughs> endorsement.
2: I loved it. The we I don't like this who morning. you are, but we like who you might become someday.
3: During Thursday night's CNN Democratic debate, Senator Bernie Sanders said he would release his 2014 tax returns today. They are very boring. Sanders said, after uh, rival Hillary Clinton accused him of not being transparent about his finances. The Vermont senator said his wife Jane handles the family's taxes and has been busy on the campaign trail. We will get them out, he said, adding that he would release earlier years in the coming weeks. Apparently, he's hmm. like the 19th poorest senator yeah. in the U.S. Senate, which really isn't that poor. But comparing, I mean, to he's some killing the it. Other people, yeah. Cord cutters rejoice today. President Obama is set to announce his personal support for a pending Federal Communications Commission proposal that would open up the market for cable set-top boxes to increase industry competition and to give subscribers the option of leasing or buying elsewhere. Currently, the most TV subscribers are stuck leasing their boxes from their cable providers, which can cost more than $200 a year on average. And also, your provider has no incentive to update the box, right. so it could be complete garbage. That's right. Oh, and you no. have no other option. Been there, done
2: that. Paid for the highest-end service, but had a box that couldn't deliver the service. There you
3: go. So this could open it up, and so you could go buy a, a competing product to, yes. to function on your system. Good, cool. Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam vetoed a bill on Thursday that would have made the Holy Bible the official state book of Tennessee. Hmm. In addition to the constitutional issues with the bill, my personal feeling is that this bill trivializes the Bible, which I believe is a sacred text. Haslam wrote to the letter in a letter to the Speaker, uh, Beth Hartwell. Um, Tennessee would have been the first state to have the Bible as its official book. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I I don't know. what what I, mean, what I thought about. I love that. the Bible. Yes, but it seems like it's it even transcends the state. Does it need to be an official book? Mm-mm. No. I don't know. That's kind of, what, and that's what the I governor mean, be, I guess
2: it's I guess it's just a declaration that we believe in the
3: Bible, which should be apparent, anyways. Right? Well, yeah, and maybe shouldn't be part of the state. I don't know. Maybe don't who knows? Uh, so, did you see uh, Avatar when it was yes, released? Yes, I did. Do you remember when it was released? Uh sixty nine. 2009. Okay, nine. Two 2009. It made $2.7 billion ah, I total. I remember. Little I, blue people. People were like really into this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, James Cameron, the uh-huh. director. Jimmy. He was at CinemaCon, which we've been talking about over the last few days as they release. As more movies are announced yeah. and there's news that comes out. and He announced that he has a vision for the world of Avatar. Hmm. There are going to be five movies in five total. Five movies. So there's been one. Right. So he announced four more yesterday. Four more. But, yeah. Okay, that seems like, okay. So.
2: So yeah, four more are coming.
3: Avatar 2, Christmas when, when, 2018. Tw- oh, wow. That soon. So in oh, 2018, Avatar 2. Great. Avatar 3, 2020. Wow. Avatar 4 in 2022. Ooh. Avatar 5 in 2023. So a series. Wow. This is big. Yeah, except it's like 2009. You probably wanted to release another one in 2011, 2012, yeah. just to kind of keep people well, in the idea that, that the other first one, one existed. Was big, but I think it's out of people's yeah. minds completely. But do you know how hard it is to paint people blue?
2: They didn't. It was all computers. Oh, oh, okay. I just thought they spent hours painting people blue. No, <laughs> that is so. That's actually great. I mean, that was an incredible movie. It was. And it is very kind of. It was very like pro Earth,
3: yeah. yeah. I just I I don't know if we need four more movies, but that's well, great. I
2: don't understand why you're not liking this.
5: Man, this
2: I wasn't is really. kind of. I saw the movie. Went, eh, edgy, that's all right. interesting. I mean, these people used to plug in, right? Didn't they have like a? Didn't they have like a tell that would plug into something? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't need a tell that like a like a jack? It's like a. It's like a See, hey, and, and that charging was, that was my
3: it. other thing. They announced five movies here, and I'm like. Mm. But if Marvel came out and said they're going to oh, have movies in 2030, it. I'm like, all right. This you know? is, see, this <laughs> Let's is uh, do it. <laughs> this is why
2: you're upside down. You should be celebrating this. You, we, nobody can see it because this is radio. We'll see. But Ben is giddy. Yeah. Nope, he's yes. excited. Nobody loves Avatar more than Ben. Do you remember how Ben
4: wore that Avatar one onesie? That was weird. That's that,
6: totally weird. He's
4: wearing it now. I know. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me look like one of those blue people. Yeah. It's really,
3: really cool. Except you're white and pasty. They're basically just footy pajamas. <laughs> you look at
2: that, that white and pasty avatar. Hey, I uh, feel like one of the blue
4: people. Well, I think you look fantastic. And we're glad you're
2: back from mandatory sentencing. That's great.
4: Yeah. It's, I'm surprised I got out so early. I know. I am too. It was I, more I, of a clinical observation. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, that's
2: true.
3: So,
4: but he's still, all right.
2: But he's also still got that really cute little ankle
4: bracelet. Yeah, it's all, which all right. Which is really yeah. neat. Yeah. I asked Garrett to to stand by for the next two weeks just in case. Okay, but, good. Um,
2: yeah, Garrett Garrett was here, and he was, you know, that guy is fantastic.
3: Yeah, he's really less intrusive on the show. Intrus- and you
4: know what else he did? He hits the marks,
3: you know? like yeah, he, it's great. We're in and out on time, stuff yeah. like that. All right.
2: Anyway, Ben, good to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> good to have you back. We've totally missed you. We haven't had anyone to beat up for a day. Hey, uh, let's talk about the debate. Is that what we're calling it? The knockdown drag out last night. That was... Half the time you couldn't even hear what was being said. Yes. Because they were kind of yelling over each other. So let's just go run through a bunch of clips. One of the clips we got to get to, Sanders continued to kind of harp on Clinton because of how she benefited from the banks.
7: The obvious decision is when the greed and recklessness and illegal behavior of Wall Street brought this country into the worst economic downturn since the Great Recession, the Great Depression of the 30s, when millions of people lost their jobs and their homes and their life savings. The obvious response to that is that you got a bunch of fraudulent operators and that they have got to be broken up. That was my view way back. And I introduced legislation to do that. Now, Secretary Clinton was busy giving speeches to Goldman Sachs for two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a speech. Ooh. That's so a big the hit. proper response, the proper response in my view is we should break them up, and that's what my legislation does.
8: Well, you can tell Dana he cannot he cannot come up with any example because there is no example
2: of her. Being pro bank being pro money being pro all of these issues right so well,
3: the question was at what point did she receive money from big banks yeah. that affected a decision that she made right and then he goes off on this whole thing about banks are bad, then you 'd be tore up and you know and then she took money, and then at the end she's like see he can't even, he can 't
2: even answer that, but she wants a specific example, but then he the only example he's got is that she was against the banks right but then he asked, was that before or after you received the money from the banks? But this, this is what starts the whole issue about show us your transcripts. Show us your transcripts. Yeah. Have you got transcripts? And again, she doesn't want to go there. She says, I'll, I'll, show, you your, I'll show you mine when you show
3: me yours. So to speak. Yeah. I mean, that's old school. Right. Every playground. But no one else is really saying theirs, even though I think Bernie Sanders has two speeches he gave. I, know that, I guess that that's the point, is that then her big thing is then show me the taxes. Yeah. Okay, great.
2: But it doesn't well, it's a answer sta- it's the a question. Good, it's a
3: stalling ploy. Right. And it works because he's not doing the tiny little thing he could do, even though it, it doesn't compare when it right. comes to volume. It's a good stalling technique. Right. And, and I guess in the end, um, you're never going to have this answered.
2: Because she's not going to show the transcripts ever. and But that, that's the big issue he's got, right, is that she's in the pockets of the banks. I
3: think we know what's in the transcripts.
2: You're yeah. not
3: going to go collect money from a group that you're speaking to and tear them down for their horrible business practices.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> she's going to talk them up. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So
2: then the big question was, is is Hillary Clinton qualified? Is she, is she capable? Is she able to be um, – uh, the President of the United States and he, he said well let's just let you listen to one of the clips.
7: Does Secretary Clinton have the experience and the intelligence to be a president? Of course she does. But I do question but I do question her judgment. I question a judgment which voted for the war in Iraq. The worst foreign policy blunder in the history of this country. Voted for virtually every disastrous trade agreement, which cost us millions of decent paying jobs. And I question her judgment about running super PACs, which are collecting tens of millions of dollars from interests, including 15 million dollars from Wall Street.
2: So capable, totally smart enough, brilliant, able, capable. It's her judgment. It's her judgment. Now, what would Hillary Clinton have to say about this?
8: Senator Sanders uh, did call me unqualified. I've been called a lot of things in my life. That was a first. And
2: then uh, he did say that um, he had to question
6: my judgment. Well, the people of New York voted for me twice to be their senator
9: from New York. And, and
10: President Obama trusted my judgment enough to ask me to be Secretary of State for the United
0: States
2: take that <laughs> This went on all night. Oh yeah, yeah. It was all night back and forth, but it was it was it was the most intense debate we may have had in any on any side on either side. It's exciting. That thing's heating up. She I don't think he knows he's not out of it yet. I think he a, hasn't gotten the
3: memo. That'll probably be the last debate. There's another one sort of penciled in in another month. Oh yeah, she's but not But it's yeah, probably done. She's not going to want to go through that again. Um it is – but
2: again, I guess this shows you the polarization, right, of the country, the polarization of of really what's going on, which is why we want to bring on uh, Jeffrey Siegel. And later in the show, at the very uh, – as we're wrapping up this first hour, we are going to get to the Trump interviewing Cruz segment. It's a fascinating bit brought by Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Jimmy Fallon playing Donald Trump will actually <laughs> interview Theodore Cruz. We now are going to be going to Jeffrey Siegel, Dr. Jeffrey Siegel, who's going to come in and talk to us about um, why we have become the most polarized uh, Supreme Court in history, right? It's now 4-4 uh, on the Supreme Court since the passing of Scalia, Justice Scalia, but uh, man, it's it's polarized and we've got a lot of big decisions that are coming down. We're going to be talking about why it's so polarized in just a minute. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Hey, uh, you know, with the passing of Justice Scalia and now a vacant seat on the Supreme Court, much of the political discussion lately has turned to the future of the Supreme Court, the nomination process, the current standoff between the president and the Senate, led by Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Right, so it uh, proves that this is a crucial time for the Senate, and actually, probably for politics in general, because at some point, you know, Merrick Garland has been um, he's been nominated by the president, and the it's turned into a I guess a political. Circus. So is that the reason why it's uh, the Supreme Court seems to become and have become so polarized over the last few decades? Is it all this politicking that has polarized it? Um, Well, we're going to ask a a true blue professional. Dr. Jeffrey Siegel is joining us. He is a distinguished professor in the Department of Political Science at Stony Brook University. He also has recently um, been doing a study about the polarized Supreme Court, and he claims we are unlikely to see conservative Democrats or liberal Republicans on the Supreme Court. If historical trends continue, the next Supreme Court justice will not be a moderate, but a person with strong ideological views. We wanted to ask him why the Supreme Court has become so polarized. Dr. Jeffrey Siegel, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show.
9: Well, it's a pleasure. Beyond Matt, thanks for having
2: me. Thank you for being here, and I'm excited uh, to to pick your brain because it seems like just as a novice uh, here that um, the Supreme Court shouldn't be as polarized. It shouldn't be uh, something that is just so I don't know um, ideologically driven. Am, am I? Has it always been this way? What's been going on? What has Supreme polarized
9: Court has it? Has always been as ideologically driven. Has always been ideologically driven. But it's never been as polarized as it is now. And by that, I mean, if you look at the at the uh, foremost conservative justices, it was five before Scalia's passing. Right, They were all Republicans. And the the foremost liberal justices are all Democrats. Mm. And uh, as far as uh, I can tell, that has never happened before.
2: Why? Before there was a conservative that was a that was a, a Democrat.
9: There were many conservative Democrats that huh. been on the Supreme Court, also liberal Republicans.
2: Wow. So so that's that so what is the shift? Like is is it the shift of politics?
9: Well, one of the shifts is that uh the Senate has become more polarized. So remember like 40 years ago there were a ton of conservative Democrats in the Senate. That's right. They were all from the former uh Confederate state. Yeah. But those uh, southern – the Dixiecrats are all gone. Uh, similarly, there were a fair number of, um, of uh, liberal Republicans in the Senate. So uh, when I was growing up in New York, my, one of my senators was Jacob Javits, who was a Republican but very liberal. Hmm. You don't see any no. liberal Republicans in the Senate anymore.
2: And you, you, this bears out then in your research, right? You've seen that before they used to be, I guess, more unified in, in, ideology, in concepts, right? I mean, they, I guess they were able, more able to, to talk uh, – I don't know. How, how would you explain your findings?
9: Well, so certainly it's the case that if, there's, if there are conservative Democrats and liberal Republicans, you have overlap be- – ideological yeah. overlap between the groups, and that makes it easier to forge compromises. But when you have um, the Republicans on one side all the Republicans on one side of the room and all the Democrats in the Senate on the other side of the room, that makes it harder to uh, forge compromises.
2: Mm. And I guess now it makes it hard to even get uh, a hearing, to to even look at a nominee.
9: uh, Mitch McConnell has promised that um, Merrick Garland will not get a hearing. Even if uh, Hillary Clinton wins in November, right. that would be a huge mistake for the Republicans because Garland is, is very moderate. Yeah, And uh, if Clinton is elected, um, she will almost certainly nominate someone, and the Republicans do not act on Garland. His nomination expires when the new Congress comes in. There you go. So she wouldn't have to withdraw it. It would be automatically withdrawn. See, so, and she would nominate somebody who is, I think, substantially to the left of Garland.
2: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, the the very statement by Mitch McConnell was made barely an hour after Scalia's passing. So, yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't even there was like no deference to even the passing of the justice. It immediately became politicized.
9: Well, he wanted to make I, I think he was trying to uh, uh set a salvo to make sure that everyone understood, you know, before any momentum got in favor of uh, this. So he was firing the first shot in this battle.
2: Hmm. I heard um, – I was watching uh, some interview of David Axelrod interviewing uh, Justice Kagan um, about about the Supreme Court. And she said, you know, the interesting thing is we everyone thinks we're so polarized, but two-thirds of the decisions we make are nine-zero decisions. But So I guess there is overlap, but there's, there's a, cert, a third, which seem to be all the issues that the politicians and the people seem to care the most about um, are the ones where they're so divided.
9: Yes, there, there are a lot of cases that deal with very technical, uh, mundane things like uh, employee, uh, federal employee retirement systems, hmm. uh, the ERISA law that most people don't care about, and a lot of those are unanimous. Um, uh, and sometimes there are just cases where the lower court gets it completely wrong and you get unanimous reversals. Hmm. But the unanimous decisions on the Supreme Court tend to be in the direction of the dominant ideology on the Supreme Court. So when you have a liberal, you know, a, a Supreme Court that leans in the liberal direction, uh, most of the unanimous decisions will be liberal. If you have a Supreme Court that leans in the conservative direction, most of the unanimous decisions will lean conservatively.
2: Hmm. And you're convinced that because of the, the current set, setting, uh, we're probably going to get some type of an, an ideologue, I guess, based on the, uh, whoever wins the next election.
9: Uh, yes, uh, but on the other hand, I would not call Merrick Garland an idiot. Yeah, right. No, exactly. And that's a very different situation because uh, Obama was trying to um, uh, put the Republicans in the worst position possible, make <laughs> them look as badly as possible, and he accomplished that by nomin- you know by showing the Rep- that the Republicans will not even, uh, many of them will not even speak to someone who is an uh, extraordinarily well-qualified moderate. Right.
2: Right. I mean, that, that is what's so interesting, because what was it, a few years ago, Orrin Hatch from the Judiciary Committee was praising Merrick Garland.
9: Of course, but that was for the Court of Appeals. Okay, I, yeah. I, I will add that um, when uh, Robert Bork was appointed to the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, which is the same court that uh, Garland currently sits on, uh, he passed unanimously, hmm. and um, uh, Joe Biden, who was then the chair of the Judiciary Committee, said that if a well-qualified person like Robert Bork got nominated to the Supreme Court, we'd have to confirm him. Wow. So then when he was nominated, of course, the interest groups got involved, and Biden quickly changed his tune.
2: Isn't that – I mean, it, I, you just see the, the politics of it all, right? It's all – it's just the division of politics.
9: Yes. Uh, And as as, as, you know, and they argue about um, these rules that you cannot confirm a Supreme Court nominee in a uh, in an election year. Uh, If the situation were reversed, all the positions would be reversed.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh,
9: I'll I'll quote Michael Barone's dictum on this. He said all procedural arguments are insincere, including this one.
2: (laughs) It's true. That's great. I mean that's the reality of this is I mean there's huge decisions that need to be made, right? I mean there's decisions about uh, the Second Amendment that, that are sitting on the justice's uh, desk, I guess, and about you know the right to bear arms and, and state militias.
9: Rights yeah. and um, uh, campaign finance. Yeah. So there are a lot of areas that were 5-4 conservative decisions where Scalia was the crucial vote, and those are probably the three, well, not abortion rights, but which there's a solid majority, but uh, gun control and campaign finance. Citizens United was a 5-4 decision.
2: Hmm. So that could have been reversed as well and changed but finance if, law. If
9: Merrick Garland gets on the court, and this is one of the, you know, even though garland is moderate let's assume that he would vote to overturn citizens united and perhaps the uh the second amendment cases but i'm not certain about that because garland has been a prosecutor and he he prosecuted the uh oklahoma city bombings Mm. so he may so i'm not sure of his position on the second amendment
2: did you ever hear uh john oliver's discussion was it john oliver Oh, yeah, about the Supreme Court and Merrick Garland. One of the things that everybody is saying is a positive is that he's 65, you know, so he won't be on there very long. I mean, that is sad.
9: um, This is another reason that the Republicans would be well advised if uh, Clinton wins in November to take Garland. Yeah. Of course, these days, a 65-year-old could still be on the court for 20 years. Sure,
2: sure. I mean, that was – I mean, it's like, yeah, he'll be dead soon. So it's (laughs) – it's it's almost like we're we I guess that's what it is is we're fighting for future decisions, um, and and yet what I see with the justices, there really are some pretty you know incredible um, camaraderie on the Supreme Court. They they may not as, always feel as polarized as the country feels.
9: No, I I think you're right. It's it's well known that Scalia the most conser- well Scalia is not as conservative as Thomas. But Scalia, who was pretty close to the far conservative end of the court, was his best friend was uh, Ruth Bader mm, that's right. He was on the liberal end of the court. yeah, probably the most liberal justice right now. And
2: they'd go have lunch together and they'd go on even, they, I guess vacations. Partners. yeah.
9: and they'd go on vacations together. And in fact, there was an opera written about them.
2: <laughs> really where Where is that in New York?
9: No, I think it was in Texas. It was it was playing. It hasn't made it to Broadway yet. <laughs> that's
2: great. Well, I mean, th- I think that's that's the that's the irony of the whole thing is as justices, they're they're, they're scholars, right? They they're they're scholars of law, and um, we've kind of politicized it. Let's take a break, Jeff. We're talking with Dr. Jeffrey Siegel, uh, who is teaching us. Um, he's a distinguished professor in the Department of Political Science at Stony Brook University. He's walking us through an article he wrote on theconversation.com about why we have the most polarized Supreme Court in history. And um, interesting interesting background, folks, for all of us. And again, this is why your, uh, your vote is important, but it's also why you need to understand what's really going on and what's going on behind the scenes and not just uh, take the word of the punditry, but maybe it's time to, to dig a little deeper and understand your own Supreme Court. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we are on the phone with Dr. Jeffrey Siegel from Stony Brook University, and he's the uh, distinguished professor in the Department of Political Science there at Stony Brook and is the author of the article, Why We Have the Most Polarized Supreme Court in History. And a lot of that, it sounds like Dr. Siegel is simply, um, it's it's politics, and it also seems like it's, it's the issues that are now boiling up today. Is it a mix of the issues and the politics, or what would you attribute the polarization to?
9: Well, the, the issues are important. So during uh, much of the court's history, it decided a lot of economic cases that, you know, affected the parties to the suit, but it didn't affect most Americans very broadly. On the other hand, today, the court is deciding things like uh, affirmative action, same-sex marriage abortion, and these are things that Americans are very strongly divided about, and almost everyone has an opinion on.
2: Yeah, the same-sex marriage decision, for example, I think I think it tipped a lot of people over because they felt like maybe that was more, uh, you know, judicial activism. I mean, do you think that that really is in play, or are the judges just responding to what's coming?
9: Well, I. Um, uh, no, I don't think that was judicial activism. The, the court had previously held in uh, a case that struck down the Do- uh, Defense of Marriage Act that it was uh, a violation of uh, equal rights to deny uh, marriage – for the federal government to deny marriage licenses, to, uh, to deny – for the federal government to deny recognition of marriage licenses – So it was almost certain that the Supreme Court was going to uh, not allow states to deny same-sex couples the right to get married.
5: Hmm. There is
9: an equal protection clause in the Constitution, and it's not activism for the Supreme Court to enforce the equal protection clause.
2: I guess that's where this becomes even a bigger issue. When a decision is really being made by one justice – that that really tips or you know t- tips over uh an entire political party's position then you're going to have a lot of problems right when it's, yeah, when, it's when it's one person that's swaying it with
9: justice kennedy in in as the swing justice yeah but he's been swing justice on on many many cases and i can imagine that uh Uh, The Republicans who hailed his nomination originally by Ronald Reagan now regret it deeply, (laughs) much as many of them regret John Roberts, given his votes on the uh, health care cases.
2: Yeah. No, I think I think that's a lot of this feeling, which is why, uh, you know, Merrick Garland is such an interesting choice again, because he's a moderate. But I guess what it makes it is no party can necessarily guarantee what he would decide.
9: Right. There, there are a large number of justices who have, uh, whose views have switched over time. Mostly Republicans, though. Very few Democrats have uh, done, have moved in one direction or, or the other. Hmm. Um, but uh, al- although um, you can't predict how a justice will vote on any particular case, I have been very, very successful at predicting uh, the justices' overall voting records.
2: Oh, really? Now, how do you predict?
9: Well, so um, I use uh, editorial assessments about uh, uh, the uh, nominees from uh, five of the nation's leading newspapers, and I aggregate them together and come up with a measure of uh, each nominee's ideology. Hmm. And uh, that ideology measure correlates very strongly with how they will vote in the aggregate. So that is, I'm trying to predict the percent of the time that a justice will vote liberally or conservatively on cases. And it's very, very precise.
2: Wow. That's actually, I mean, that's pretty handy.
11: Yes, it is.
2: And and that's just coming really from the, the papers, the the reports of their views on certain issues. Yes. So you do it issue by issue.
9: Uh. Well, I do it, I I, I do it nominee by nominee, and and, uh, what I do is I take each paragraph in an editorial from one of the, so the newspapers are the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, the Chicago Tribune, and the Wall Street Journal. Hmm. So uh, each paper uh, I look, that has, that discusses the nominee, I I code each paragraph as to whether, the paragraph uh, asserts that the nominee is liberal. That is, they say, oh, he uh, supports abortion rights or conservative. She supports uh, Second Amendment rights or moderate, where there could be a combination. And many of the statements about Garland is simply that he's a moderate.
2: He's a moderate. He's right in the middle. Yes. Is, would you say overall the, the justices today or the Supreme Court today – is it is it a is it a, a, a moderate leaning court is it a liberal leaning court is it a conservative leaning court
9: on economic issues it's a conservative leaning court um, but on social issues it's i um, it's a uh liberal leaning huh. court and the reason for that is uh justice kennedy in the middle hmm. so he is um He's conservative on economic issues and pro-business, but he's also a bit of a libertarian. So he supports um, uh, he supports uh, uh, privacy rights, including abortion. He's been a uh, he wrote uh, he's written all the court's decisions on uh, on equal rights for uh, the LGBT community, Hmm. and um, so that's so you get a court that's split. But, of course, the public cares more about the social issues than the uh, economic issues. So that's why the conservatives are up in arms about the Supreme Court from time to time. Yeah.
2: And plus, I guess this goes back to the historic battle, doesn't it, between the branches of government, judicial, legislative, executive. This is... I mean, some are saying, you know, the executive branch is usurping too much power. The judicial branch was about to, I guess, make a lot of rulings on, or some rulings on the executive branch. But the senators are again. I mean, it's this is the age-old issue of branches.
9: Yes, yeah, separation of powers. Uh, I'll remind you that Alexander Hamilton um, referred to uh, uh, the, the judiciary as the least dangerous branch. <laughs> But the judiciary is much more powerful today than Hamilton ever imagined they would be.
2: What What is that attributed to? Just the legal nature of society today? What?
9: Well, just the, the – I don't I, – you know, Hamilton thought that um, judicial review would be an exercise uh, not of will but of judgment. Hmm. But it has become an exercise of will. That is, the liberals vote to strike conservative laws, the conservatives – Vote to strike liberal laws. So uh, the court has been doing lots of things that uh, Hamilton never could have imagined.
2: Wow. Yeah. And, and again, and, and, and it's polarized. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got more power than ever, and the power is really dependent on every sitting president.
9: Yes. And plus the Senate that gets to uh, uh, nominate. Right.
2: Exactly. Where does this all go, Dr. Siegel? Where where do you see the the polarization being in 10 years from now?
9: I think it will be around where it is now. Um, I, I don't see much changing you know, now a lot you know who knows what would happen if uh trump or cruz gets elected but that could be a big shake up to the whole system
5: yeah that...
9: but i think if if clinton is elected things would will you know stay more or less as they are and they will con- continue to be a very uh polarized political environment
2: well and it'll it will literally just swing one justice at a time
9: yes and that th-
2: Because they're dying one justice at a time, right? uh,
9: Would be 18-year terms for the justices. Yeah. Because that would give each president, once it was in place, a new justice every two years. Oh, yeah. And uh, that would um, end, I think, much of the heightened uh, 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 amity between uh, – hostility between the parties Hmm. on this because you know it's not forever and uh so i would strongly support 18 year terms for the supreme court wow is
2: do you sense there's any uh support of that
9: there've been a couple of constitutional amendments proposed for that but it uh like most proposed amendments they don't get very far yeah
2: no, i think that's a great answer isn't it just a term limit and it it would ensure every every pre- i mean and then short of a death it would ensure every president would get to, to nominate another, or at least two. Well, Jeffrey, we appreciate you. This is great insight. Well, thank um,
9: you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to speak to your listeners.
2: You bet. And keep up the great work. We'll, uh, we'll probably check in again in the future once we see how some of this gets settled down. Dr. Jeffrey Siegel from Stony Brook University. Again, great article. We'd refer you to why uh, we have the most polarized Supreme Court in history. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back and continue to give you the information you need to make the decisions you need. It's not enough to just love a, a candidate. you got to know the decisions they're going to be making, especially the ones that might impact your, uh, your Supreme Court. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Hey, welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, really, what impact are all these judges having on us? None of you are, you know, really impacted by a judge, are you? Yeah, we all are. And not just at the Supreme Court level. I mean, just the decision uh, that... of. Uh, gay marriage that just remember the impact that that had on your community on discussions in your community you know a decision it's it does get the the conversations going right it gets us talking and um and and I think there's a lot of power in that there's a lot of power in being able to discuss stuff in fact I'm convinced if we could communicate better we wouldn't be as impacted by the justices. One of the things I've been learning a lot about the Supreme Court is they really are a very unified body. In that, they have a rule, for example, that when they hear, um, and this is when they're in chambers, not in front of everybody, but when they when they go through and make and have discussions about certain issues, they have a rule that everybody at the table has to answer and give their opinion about the issue before anyone can give a second opinion. So nobody can have two comments until everybody's had one comment, which is a really cool principle. And I think the, their ability to maybe think through it, uh, to talk without necessarily having to react to everything, um, its I, I think if we could understand how they do it behind the scenes, we might value some of their decisions more. I get too that you have your issues and everyone has their position, but but uh, there's also something to see there, and I saw a story that I wanted to bring to all of our attention about a judge in Georgia, in Bibb County, Georgia, um, Superior Court Judge Verda Colvin. There's a viral video out with her, with Verda Colvin um, discussing the consequences with some wayward kids. They they were in a program. She was a, she's in her robes. They're in the courtroom, and she has. Two sides of the courtroom. The girls are on one side. Young men are on the other side. Uh, judge Verda Colvin is an is a African-American female, and she's talking to a room predominantly of African-Americans. And um, it was, I think, one of the most beautiful seats, si- I think, of, of a judge and the power of a judge as she's arguing and making an argument in front of these kids that are in trouble – You know, they're in one of those programs that they're trying to get them some reality. And let me just play a few of of her points. One of the first things she's telling them is you're going to have a choice here. You're you're either going to end up in court or a body bag. You can have the ultimate experience. You can be in this body bag. And the only
8: way somebody will know you're in here is by this tag that will have your name on it. What do you want to do? That's the question you have to ask yourself. What do you want to do? i to help
12: you.
8: What? I'm gonna help him. That's what you might want to start doing. Because listen to me. The way you're going, you will go to jail, or you will get up in this body bag.
2: Hmm. She also uh, is is pleading with them to be something.
8: You're special. You're uniquely made. Stop acting like you're trash and putting pictures of yourself on the internet. Stop being disrespectful to your parents. Care about your future. Be somebody. Anybody can be nothing. It doesn't take anything to be nothing. Be something. Do you understand what I'm saying? care about yourselves, the fact that you're shedding tears means you want to be better and you want to do better. Do it. The only person stopping you is you. Do better than what you've been doing. Do you understand me?
2: Mm. Don't you love that? This is this is a civil servant helping you parents raise your kids, helping all of us. I mean, think about it. If you had a child that was wayward and struggling, wouldn't you love a judge like Superior Judge, uh, Court Judge Verda Colvin, telling your kids this. Um, another thing she says is don't let your school or don't let your family become an excuse.
8: But you don't have to make a decision that you're going to do something different and don't use your family situation as an excuse. You hear me? Don't use that as an excuse. I don't know what's going on in your lives. I don't know where you live, but don't use it as an excuse. Anything either of you all are going through somebody else went through Who's successful
2: now. Mm. last but not least she's going to help all of us remember that we're special
8: nobody else can do what you're supposed to do in this world nobody else and if you don't do it we won't have it I, I continue to believe one reason why our society is so messed up because some people who were supposed were born to do certain things just dropped the ball they didn't do it and so for every person who didn't do what they needed to do because they were given unique gifts and talents We're missing something
2: as a society. Mm. An eight-minute speech by Bibb County Superior Court Judge Verda Colvin. We're special. You've got to deliver something. If you don't deliver it, guess what? Nobody does. We don't get it. And kids, you have a choice. Court, at this rate, you're going to be in court and jail or you're going to be in a body bag. I love it. I guess that's judicial activism. Yeah. Good. Good. Everybody needs to hear it. We'll take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
1: Your guide on the side. Follow
0: Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
0: Good
2: morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide here, your coach. I'm here to help. To give you some information, some tools, the information you need to make it through your crazy life. Welcome to the program. Hey, happy Jackie Robinson Day. Jack Roosevelt, a.k.a. Jackie Robinson, was an American Major League Baseball second baseman who became the first African-American to play in the major leagues in the modern era. You know, he broke the baseball color line when the Brooklyn Dodgers started him at first base on April 15th, 1947. Celebrating Jackie Robinson Day. How cool is that? It's also Take a Wild Guest Day, which is pretty much what we do on the show every day, which was why we're 97% accurate.
4: Oh, is it 90? No, it's 97% inaccurate. No, no, no. Five percent accurate.
2: Well, well, no. It's actually higher than that. We just, we, we, I, I've checked with the accountants, uh, and they say we're ninety, we're ninety-seven percent accurate. But it's always on the biggest issues that we're the three percent inaccurate.
4: No, um, you probably um, shouldn't talk to the accountants about that.
2: Why? No, that's that's who you talk
4: to.
3: Math isn't your strong suit. No, that's why Math, I have accountants. So, I know, but you might have misunderstood. No, 97% accurate. Like we just right there, Jackie
2: Robinson Day, accurate. Nailed it. But we had to give you a script for that one. Take a wild guess, Day? Accurate. We're going to be talking about a lot of accurate things today. For example, finances. When do you need to teach your kids about debt? Because apparently it impacts, right? And a lot of parents aren't teaching their children what they need to know about debt, and it impacts them and by the way, a parent going into debt does impact the well-being of the child, including, you know, even mental health, depression, other things. So we will be speaking with uh, Dr. Lonnie Berger uh, a little bit later about that. Parental debt, children's socio-economic well-being it's important. Most of us, you don't talk about your money with your kids because they're not supposed to know how much you make, and bull. We'll get to that. But first, let's get to the headlines. And uh, I believe, I guess, Joe Carson's going to be doing it today. Joe, welcome to the headlines. Or welcome to the news. Give us the latest.
13: The Republican National Committee today responded to Donald Trump's recent criticism of the party's nominating system after the GOP frontrunner failed to secure any delegates at Colorado's convention last week. Trump recently blasted the process as rigged and unfair, adding the RNC was trying to prevent him from winning the nomination. But in an early morning memo, RNC Chief Strategist and Communications Director Sean Spicer argued the system was fair and blamed campaigns for failing to meet deadlines. Campaigns have to know when absentee ballots are due, how long early voting lasts in certain states, or the deadlines for voter registration. The delegate rules are no different, Spicer wrote. Whether delegates are awarded through a primary, caucus, or convention, this process is democracy in action and driven by grassroots voters across the country. Late Thursday, Trump penned a Wall Street Journal op-ed slamming Senator Ted Cruz and the party over the Colorado outcome. Thursday night's Democratic debate in Brooklyn was off to a fiery start as Bernie Sanders was asked about his comments that rival Hillary Clinton is unqualified and lacks the judgment to be president. Sanders said that he was responding to attacks from the Clinton camp and that Clinton herself is intelligent and experienced enough to be president. But I do question her judgment, said Sanders, citing her vote for the war in Iraq, support of disastrous trade deals and running super PACs that take millions from Wall Street banks and special interests. A Connecticut Superior Court judge declined Thursday to toss out a lawsuit filed by families of Sandy Hook victims against a gun manufacturer. Judge Barbara Bellis found that a federal law that protects gun manufacturers from lawsuits doesn't discount the legal sufficiency of the family's claims, that Adam Lanz's gun shouldn't have been available for sale to civilians. AMC CEO, Adam Aaron, thinks letting people use their phones during a movie would be a good idea. When you tell a 22-year-old to turn off their phone, don't ruin the movie, they hear, please cut off your left arm above the elbow, Aaron tells Variety. You can't tell a 22-year-old to turn off their cell phone. That's not how they live their life. Yes, he actually said that. Thank you, Dr. Townsend. Sure you can.
2: Just say, hey, kids, guys, turn off your phone. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I'm going to tell you, if you want to be a surgeon someday,
3: you're going to have to turn your phone off. Now, if they want to have a theater where you sell it with the intention that people can use their phone and everyone knows that going in, fine. But I don't want that. No way. Every time someone turns on their phone halfway through a movie, I'm like, what are you doing? Turn your phone off. Yeah, this younger
2: generation, they can't do that. Yes, they can. Yeah. Let's see. Could Ben do it?
5: Bad example.
2: Yeah. Ben doesn't even have a phone. Ben's still got a flipper.
5: Yeah.
6: Yeah.
3: He doesn't have a phone that would cause problems. Right. Nobody's texting Ben on his phone. No.
4: It doesn't even have that backlight. It's one of those. It's a brick phone. Yeah. It's a big brick. <laughs> He's got a big brick phone. All you can put are numbers in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember? Those are the days. It does talk to you when you put the numbers in. Does it? Like it, it reads the numbers back just so you know. Okay. Just because
2: yeah, it's because it's for seniors. Yeah. yeah. Really so big can, buttons. And, yeah, so yeah. they can hear it. Yeah. So it's it's cool. I think it's cool that your grandma gave it to you. It's my first phone.
3: You guys are a close fan. It has three buttons. It says like police, mortuary, <laughs> and like your doctor's pharmacy. Something. Yeah, the pharmacy. Get your pills. It's <laughs> oh, so sad, but
2: so true. Hey, uh, last night the great debate between uh, Clinton and Sanders. It ended up turning into a knockdown dragout, but it also ended up being um, probably, I think, a very uh, an excellent example of why we we have financial problems in this country in our government, because let me just give you let me just give you a taste of it. OK, so this is um, Clinton and Sanders discussing a very basic concept of minimum wage.
7: To get to 15. I am sure a lot of people are very surprised to learn that you supported raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. No, wait That's
1: a minute,
7: Stood wolf. on the debate wolf. stage with
2: Senator Sanders wolf. eight prior times. I have wolf. said the Secretary exact same Senator, thing. please, if we the, the, can raise it to in New
5: what York or Los Angeles Secretary, or Seattle, viewers, let's do it. If
3: you're both screaming at each other, the viewers won't be able to hear either of you. Bernie Sanders turns into the boy who cried Wolf <laughs> halfway through. He's all, wolf, wolf, stop this person. She keeps talking. Wolf,
2: help me here. Uh, they're talking about the 15 dollar minimum wage and yet they're over talking each other and the crowds are cheering it's polarized they might even be saying honestly the same thing which is probably the case and yet this and so this is this is just symbolic we we try to talk money and we can't and yet these are the two this these are the democratic you know this is it these are your choices if you're a democrat pick one and they're going to go, I guess, fight Cruz or Trump. What is the deal? Well, uh, we're not going to just leave it with Sanders um, and uh, Clinton going at each other. Donald Trump had a, had the opportunity to interview Ted Cruz. He called him on the phone. He called him on the phone while they're both on TV, and it was it was all aired on the Jimmy Fallon show. It's exclusive. It's an exclusive <laughs> Jimmy Fallon playing Donald Trump, interviewing Cruz, asking about immigration.
1: Okay, here's another question Jimmy might ask. What is your stance on immigration?
6: Well, Donald, first of all, we need to put an end to President Obama's amnesty. Wah. (laughs) And I believe we need to secure the border once and for all.
1: Once and for wah. (laughs) And start enforcing the rule of law.
3: Law spelled backwards is wall. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> so wall spelled backwards. Yeah. Or law spelled backwards is wall.
5: Yeah. It's wall.
3: true. I mean,
2: sort it, of. It was interesting because usually as an interviewer, you wouldn't inject your
3: own well, the premise, agenda. Well, the premise is Trump is prepping Cruz for the questions on the Jimmy Fallon show. Because oh, Trump has been on there, been so, on there many many so many times. times. Right. So
2: he's like, hey, you got to let me help you. Here. I didn't know Cruz and, and Trump were such good friends that Trump would want to help him well, out that way.
3: Trump just picked up his iPhone and yeah. called Cruz on his iPhone. Oh, that's great. As that's, they both sat there.
2: That's really great. Here's that. Here's another one of Trump, I guess, um, helping Ted Cruz on New York values.
1: Next question. The New York primary is on Tuesday. You've already won your home state of Canada. Now, (laughs) now you're in my home state of New York City, and people are still mad. They're mad at you for saying that they have quote New York values. What did you mean by that?
6: Look, Donald, I'm not gonna pander to New Yorkers. I love New York City. It is the greatest city in the world with the (laughs) best-looking
1: audiences in the entire.
6: So when I said New York values, I, I was merely trying to say that I value New York. I, except I was saying it backwards, the, the way Yoda would say it.
1: I love Yoda. I watch her every morning with Kathy Lee. <laughs> it's fantastic. There you
2: go. That's great. That's great. I can't believe Donald and Ted sat down and talked. That's great. Huh. Donald's
3: hair looked great. Did it look good? Yeah. It looked sort of real. Did <laughs> Close. It is real. It's close. It's – people have tested it. People have gone up. Well, that version of Trump's hair, oh, the that, Trump that, yeah. that Jimmy Fallon wears, it almost looks like well, I
2: thought that was the real Trump. No. Yeah, and I like how they do his makeup too and they just make his face orange and – And they leave his eyes.
3: His little white The key, eyes. The key with, with Fallon's makeup is the eyes are left alone just yeah. like Trump – You look at his eyes, they're gray. Mm -hmm. The area around his eyes, it's all orange and he's gray. It's just, that's natural. Apparently, he's had advisors talk about, uh, Trump's had advisors try to say, hey, you know, you need to be less orange. And he goes, no, that's my trademark. My trademark is orange. I leave him alone. Let him do his thing. Orange. Hey, um, you got to watch
2: out, folks, because uh, in the political world, you never know what kind of uh, laws are going to be passed, right? So in West Alabama city of Selma, they're planning a crackdown on what one councilman says is a big problem, horse droppings. Mm. This, by the way, isn't a new problem. There have been horse droppings for centuries in the United States. And uh, the city council passed a law three years ago requiring that horses wear diapers when on city streets. (laughs) Diapers. Diapers. Do you know how hard it is to diaper a horse? It'd be tough. First of all, just to get them on their back, mm. and then to get their legs up in the air, and then That's you got to get that diaper under them, plus the tail. Right. It's a mess. So <laughs> Johnson says he doesn't mind people riding horses in the city of twenty thousand, but he's bothered by the smell and the other sanitary problems left on the streets. So obstacles, if you will. Yeah. But if you want a job, diapering – and Ben, this – I'm talking to you because Ben is going to someday graduate from here. At some point. Right. He's been here, what,
3: eight years? He'll have a degree to some level of something.
2: He'll have a degree and he will – I think it's – he's been here eight Mm. and I'm pretty sure he's on a – he's got four more years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you can go to Selma. The 12-year plan. Yeah. Do you think I'll be qualified? Mm. Well, you'll be just like Clinton – You'll have the ability, you'll have the intelligence, but you're not qualified. According Damn. to Bernie
4: Sanders. My judgment will be lacking.
2: Your judgment will be lacking, and um they'll still have to train you to how for how to get a diaper on a horse when they're not sedated. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay a thousand dollars to watch Ben diaper a horse. Wow. I really would. would that not that would be the best video ever. It would be dangerous. Don't you think?
3: Catch a hoof or two. Oh,
2: man. As it kicks. <laughs> and the rule would be he's got to get the horse on its back.
3: And that's just wrestling, <laughs> that's right? It's just, just key, you know, basic grappling skills. That is hilarious. Oh, wow. Okay. Good news. We'll leave you
2: with that visual, folks. <laughs> Cute little Ben trying to diaper a horse. Oh, boy. Wouldn't you love to know that your city council's on it? Getting rid of the the horse smells. Hey, we're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, uh, Lawrence M. Berger, Dr. Lonnie Berger, is going to be joining us to help us understand more about parental debt and the impact it has on your child's social, emotional well-being. Did you know that going in debt may be harmful to your kids. Have you ever thought of it that way? We'll be talking about it. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Welcome back, friends.
2: Little Shania Twain for you.
11: Ka-ching!
2: <laughs> I love that song. Hey, uh, here's the deal. So, do you know the difference between good debt and bad debt? How about a good or a bad investment? You know, as we go through life, we learn that houses appreciate, cars depreciate, and no one should ever invest in Trump stakes. That's what we've learned over the many years. But when is the best time to start learning about these important life skills? Our guest today, Dr. Lawrence Berger, Director of the Institute for Research on Poverty and the professor um, at, uh, the, uh, at the School of Social Work at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He joins us now to talk about a study that he participated in titled Parental Debt and Children's Socio-Emotional Well-Being. Dr. Lonnie Berger, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show.
10: Hi, thanks for having me, Matt.
2: Great to have you. This I this is to me a super important um study but a lesson for all of us to learn that our debt just as these decisions we're making as parents about how we spend our money, where we spend our money and our ability to I mean I guess care for our children financially, it impacts our children long term. Yeah, absolutely. That um, shouldn't be new, right? I mean that's
10: yeah, so I think we've known for a long time that income and money matter for family functioning, for children's development, um, and I think the debt aspect is just sort of a newer take on um, thinking about packages of economic resources.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's interesting what you found. Uh, basically, actually, just talk about the research that you've done. I mean, you're you're an expert and and a and a student really of poverty, trying to understand the impact and. Uh, uh, the the hit that poverty can take on our families. What? How did your study work? And t- and talk about some of the findings.
10: Sure. Um, so you know, to give you a little bit of background, why we got interested in this is that you know there's a, a long standing you know and pretty convincing uh, literature that you know it, children's well being is strongly associated with families' socioeconomic resources. So it's uh, income, wealth, and assets. Um, and potentially um, in a causal way. So if families you know, experience a big drop in the income, um, it, it, for instance, it has some you know, pretty clear um, negative consequences for kids. Um, at the same time, if you look at the decades leading up to the Great Recession, um, there were huge increases in debt um, in the U.S., and you know, this was really going on for you know, 40, 50 years. Um, but the recession kind of called um, attention to the risks associated with with debt and with household debt burden, hmm. um, and so in at least the child development or child well-being literature, um, debt you know was really not considered. So there were really no studies on how does debt um, play out in terms of of, of children's development. Um, and so why might we think it's important, right? So in some sense. That could be, you know, it, it, it is um, the, the access to credit's important for families, right? So if you um, need to invest in human capital, right, you can borrow to go to college, you can borrow to get to increase your education.
5: Mm-hmm.
10: Um, if you need to make, you know, large ticket items, purchases, um, you can borrow for those purposes. Um, and then third, even, you know, um, borrowing for immediate consumption is important, right, to purchase goods and services in the event of an income shock or a health shock. Right. And so in many ways, you could see that, you know, it helps, you know, being able to take on debt can help preserve families' um, financial situations and can could, therefore, you know, be good for kids because you could, you could borrow to invest in things um, for your children. Um, the flip is that you, debt eventually needs to be paid back. Um, and even in cases where it's not paid back, there's often, you know, some pressure to do so.
5: Mm-hmm.
10: Um, you know, even if you're eventually going to discharge it through bankruptcy or a uh, home foreclosure, you know, there's a, a big period of time where people are trying to collect that money.
2: Yeah. Um, hey, does it matter the debt? Does it matter what type of debt?
10: Yeah. So, uh, um, so that was one of the things that we looked at. Right. So. Different types of debt may have different um, implications for families, right? So um, if you're borrowing for education, right, you think of that as a human capital investment. That's something that you're often doing with forethought. So you're thinking about, I want to borrow this money for a specific purpose that's often going to lead to better lifetime wages and income and, you know, all those things that are linked to health um, and well-being of adults and children. The same with, you know, buying a home. So that's often done, you know, with foresight. That's often done, um, you know, as a form of investment. Homes tend to um, increase in value over time. They also are a great asset that once you've paid down, if you need to borrow later, you can borrow again at relatively low interest rates um, compared to um, uh, unsecured debt, so credit card debt or other types of loans. Um, And in many ways, you know, a home... Uh, can give you, you know, a a stable place to live and often um, access to better neighborhoods and better schools and things like that. Um, The flip side is, uh, you know, borrowing for credit cards or borrowing through payday loans, so what we call unsecured debt where where there's no um, collateral, uh, is often done for different reasons. So it's often done for immediate consumption. Um, So And it's less of an investment in the future. And essentially, you know, you borrow the money and then what you borrowed for often is gone um, and then potentially you have to pay it back. And so one of the things we wanted to look at was, you know, do these different types of debt, um, do they have different associations with children's um, uh, socio-emotional well-being? And and by socio-emotional well-being, um, a very common way to measure it is through um, behavior problems
2: okay so, so so if parents are in debt uh certain types of debt home debt, school loan debt mm-hmm. uh you were testing to see if if those if their children i mean so they 're still making payments on their credit cards and on their debt if those children had you know different behavioral issues then maybe the parents who had payday loans or were in credit card debt correct huh what what were what did you find out?
10: Yeah. So here's, I mean, so it was really an interesting findings. Um, so essentially, what we found was, you know, having education debt or home debt is either really positively associated with with children's um, uh, well being, or or you know, basically a zero effect.
2: Yeah. Neutral. Yeah. Uh,
10: yeah. Or neutral. And whereas having unsecured debt is negatively associated. So when parents take on unsecured debt. Um, It's associated with an increase in their children's behavior problems. Um, And we really sort of tried to use rigorous methods to isolate, because what you worry about, right, is that people whose parents take, or families that take on credit card debt or unsecured debt and families that don't um, are very different, and so you're not comparing apples to apples. And so what we did was we did some different types of statistical adjustments where we would say, okay, let's control for a ton of background characteristics of the families, so we're really trying to, on things we can observe, compare like families. Then we said, let's also look at children's, let's account for each particular child's prior behavior scores. So Mm -hmm. we, um, so the data that we're using, essentially, um, we were able to observe children from 1986 to about 2006. Um, So we're, so Kids are born at different points in time, um, but you know on average we're uh, observing a kid for eight or ten years mm, and yeah. so what we can say is how were they behaving prior to the debt um, and then we actually do some 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 um, analyses where we're literally looking with at within child change. So we're essentially saying, as parents take on debt, how does a um, you know it's averaged across all kids, but as a what's the change in their behavior scores? Um, and essentially, what we see in these models, you know, which are much more rigorous, there's still large effects that as parents are taking on um, or accumulating uh, uh, unsecured debt, we see relatively. Um, large increases in children's behavior problems,
2: wow, I mean, and that uh, that was rigorous right i mean you're, you you yeah. did everything you could to make sure you were measuring apples to apples and mm-hmm. and especially this is terrifying when you think of the the debt load that we are all taking on, especially yeah. the unsecured debt loan it really is it's it's going to impact down the line
10: yeah i mean i i I mean I do think that that's something that we want to think about, and part of it is. You know, as I said before, you're, you're often taking it on for immediate consumption. But if you think about unsecured debt, the interest rates and fees are quite high. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, you know, so we did, don't test this in the research, but theoretically, you might think that that type of debt um, is more stress-inducing, partly because it's accumulating faster, even if it's at a you know a lower overall amount that you borrowed than you borrowed for your house. Right. Um, and secondly. You know, when you borrow for education or a house, you have a very set schedule of repayment, right? And that's not really true as much for unsecured debt, right? So it keeps changing. When you get another fee, you get more interest added to it. Yeah.
2: And and in a way, it's almost like they they treat you differently, right? I mean, one is perceived more... I mean, one you're going to have people hounding you every day if you're not making your loan payment. Others you can actually have a forbearance of a loan. You can you can you can use your lack of income to 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 at least go in and renegotiate.
10: Yeah. No, I I think that's right. Um and even you know this area leading you know that that period though leading up to a foreclosure or leading up right. to a bankruptcy when you are going to discharge that is still a very stressful period. Yeah. Wow,
2: this is great! Uh, great insight, great research. Let's take a break, uh, Lonnie, and come back. I want to when we come back. I want to get more into wh- what are we what are we supposed to do with our children when it comes to debt? When it comes to our finances, how much do we open up to them? What do you think? Do you think we should also like uh, talk uh, income and and what our income is as compared to our debt? How do we prepare our children and really how do we I guess straighten up our act as? Uh, I mean, it's hard because so many people are desperate financially. They're just doing whatever they can, and yet it is impacting their kids. We'll get into all of these topics more with Dr. Lawrence M. Berger, and uh, he's, he's, he's helping us, folks, understand what's going on in debt and the impact on our children. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. To the Matt Townsend Show, we are on the phone with Dr. Lawrence M. Berger, also known as Dr. Lonnie Berger, who's the director of the Institute for Research on Poverty, and he's a professor and a Ph.D. chair in the School of Social Work at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He joins us now to talk about uh, some of his research on debt, good debt versus bad debt, and the impact it has on your child's um, socio-emotional well-being, also their behavior problems, might be another way to put that. He's been teaching us that families that have uh, good debt, maybe deemed, I guess, uh, uh, household debt uh, or like uh, buying a home, home debt and um, school debt, they tend to it has tends to have positive or at least neutral impact on the child on their children's behavior. But those that are carrying unsecured debt, their children tend to have more behavioral problems. Am I getting that right so far, Dr. Berger? You are, yeah. And in the end, uh, I mean, I guess a lot of this is because we're paying off debt. We've got a lot more stress because of it. Um, but talk to us about the impact. Uh, would it be better that the child was being raised by parents with no debt or is having some debt healthy for a child as well? Uh,
10: so I don't think that it's having some debt per se that's healthy. I think it's what that debt has uh, has purchased. So I think that if you're thinking about, you know, it's not the debt in and of itself, but there are mechanisms, right? So the debt was used to get more education. Education um, is associated with higher wages, is associated with, you know, better health, a, a bunch of other things. And, um, or that debt was used to buy a house. So buying a house is, you know, on average, associated with more uh, residential stability. It's um, associated with um, the ability to uh, borrow at a relatively low interest rate to weather financial storms. Um, it's um, uh, uh, associated with, you know, on average, living in, in a better neighborhood than renters. Hmm. Um, so it's really what the, the money is being used for. I also just want to, you know, make a comment about the, you know, quote bad debt. Right. I just want to make sure that we're not thinking about it just in terms of irresponsibility. Yeah, right. And I mean, these right. are people
2: trying to make to feed a family. Right. So sometimes.
10: I mean, a lot of what's going on is if you look at particularly in the lower end of the um, the, the wage distribution. So you know, since the 1970s, wages at the bottom have been flatter, declining, um, and so what you actually You know, see more of is people borrowing to for to meet their basic needs, Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately, you know that type of borrowing tends to be um, at relatively high implied interest rates. So both the interest rate and the fees that you pay on a credit card or on um, on a payday loan or or, or an auto title loan, etc.
2: Which is why we're hearing in the big political debates about the $15 minimum wage in California, New York. I mean, it's right. It's trying to help the people that can't make any family life at the lowest income levels. Right.
10: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there are often good reasons that people either have to borrow or choose to borrow. Um, That doesn't mean that it doesn't, you know, that it necessarily plays out well.
2: Well, and it seems like some of us haven't been trained. Some of us haven't learned about debt and debt load and, and, and what is a good investment. And I mean, right now, I think a lot of people would question if even school debt, even though it should eventually, you know, increase your income, yeah. but a lot of people are completely upside down in their school debt.
10: Yeah, I mean, there is there's certainly um, a big debate over you know tuition prices have risen dramatically, um, and there is a big debate over at what point um, it, it does it become a bad investment. I think my read on the literature is that it's still worth it um yeah. you know and on average you know so there are people who carry a huge amount of debt many of them have been through grad school or medical school or law right. school you know um and the, the people that tend to actually um fare the worst as a result of school debt are essentially people who didn't take on all that much debt. They took on six or $8,000 worth of debt but never finished school.
5: Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah.
10: So never capitalized on the investment and then have to pay it back and are at a relatively low wage.
2: Mm-hmm. And what about just um, – I mean I don't know. I don't know if this is part of your literature or your study, but there's got to be people that just – have a d h d or have anxiety or have depression or mental health issues and and but they're 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 fairly functional it's just to keep it all straight and a budget they can't do it all
10: yeah i mean it's extremely uh difficult to manage all of it, particularly you know if you do have some kind of uh of you know mental health issues um and we're just you know having a lower income right so yeah. there is uh, a literature looking at decision making in the face of hard, you know difficult financial stress and people it's harder to make, first of all, you have fewer options right? right second of all, you have fewer good options, and third of all um you know in, in when you're facing a lot of stress, it's harder to make a good decision mm. um, and uh, you know I will also say so they've done you know you know large surveys looking at how well. Americans um, understand basic finances, interest rates, and things like that, and it turns out that we're actually not very good <laughs> at <laughs> predicting what a loan's going to end up costing us. Yeah,
2: right. And we want the thing, right? We want right. the big screen TV, or we want—I mean, a lot of times, you—we want the thing. Our parents had it, and it's just twenty payments right. of you know two hundred dollars or whatever. So it's we we don't think
5: ahead well, do we?
10: Yeah. No, I and it you know and it's always it's not always easy because you know it, it, it can be difficult to figure out like you know what am I actually going to pay on this credit card mm-hmm. if it takes me 6 months to pay off a $1000 like yeah. how much is going to get added to it.
2: Cause That's it's right.
10: Just the interest rate. Right.
2: Well, plus if um, I get the card at the low at Macy's, they'll take 20% off my first purchase. That's saving money.
10: Right. Yeah. So next thing
2: I know I've got my 5th card or my 12th card.
10: And then you get to a point where, you know. Uh, so let's say you have a bunch of bills to pay, and you know you can't afford to pay them all. It then becomes important to figure out what amounts of which ones do I mm-hmm. actually pay, yeah. right? To reduce the the accumulation of more debt. Yeah, and that becomes difficult to figure out. And so I think some of these things. Um, are things that you know we should spend probably more time on in junior high and high school, you know in addition to just you know math and things like actually more time on thinking about financial literacy, thinking about um, um, understanding interest rates and loans and how to um, uh, you know use your money best
5: yeah,
2: real world math yeah. Real world finance um what what do we do as parents, Lonnie? what would you suggest as a parent that we do to make sure that I, how open should we be how yeah. much of my debt load do I share? how much of my income do I share
10: right so i you know i don't have a good answer for the um you know how much do you share I mean I think that that's probably uh uh, you know, So w- whether you tell your kids your income or not, a preference thing. I think what you want to avoid is having your kids get stressed out about your financial dis- situation if you mm. can. Yeah. Right, because I think most likely, and we haven't tested this yet, um, the mechanism that, that, that is linking, m- my guess is, behavior problems, p- child behavior problems to uh, parental unsecured debt is likely around stress. Yeah. Right. Yeah um and so what i what i think is you know kids will pick up on the stress anyway but i think you don't you certainly don't want them to feel burdened you know or overly burdened um by you know by um or or directly stressed by being too involved mm-hmm. um i also think you know there are um you know there are financial literacy services out there and things like that like and i think to the extent that that families can, um, you know, there are nonprofits that do this, that can work with someone to think about how do I reduce this debt or make a plan to pay it off in, you know, the most um, efficient and least stressful way. I think that in and of itself should help to um, uh, reduce some of that stress and, and improve these links. So if you are a homeowner, Right, you most likely are better off to take a home equity loan and pay off um, a credit card because you're essentially going to have set payments, a longer period of time, um, and a lower interest
2: rate. Yeah, and and, and yeah, create that create that continuity mm-hmm. that uh, that might I guess de-stress the family, and and I guess too make sure we're investing in the right, I guess right's a weird word, but investing in healthier. Investments that will either pay off or um, you know have have some financial benefit to you, like yeah. getting a, an education.
10: Yeah, and I mean, and just you know, it's it's easy to go. I have this credit card in my pocket. Oh, I'm going to spend hundred bucks on this. Or, I mean, I think that really thinking through can you know can I afford to pay this back? How long is it likely to to to, um, uh, to take me? And is it necessary and worth yeah. long term investment? Well, and and this... So a lot of it's really just slowing down and, and trying to have more foresight if you have that you know, opportunity. Yeah, Clearly, that luxury. If you need food, yeah. you, know, you, you, you probably have to borrow even if um, – um, you know, or if you need housing, right. um, even if you are going to have a, a
2: high rate. But this is, a, this is an interesting um, study as well because when you think of you know, uh, behavioral problems in society – there is a connection to our debt and yeah. and you've made that now, which which you know if we want to improve our communities and improve the, the need to not have to jail people and i mean it might there might be a correlation somewhere down the road to how we spend our money and 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 create stress in our homes
10: yeah, I mean so you know I clearly think that public policy has a role to play both in terms of um you know standard even aside from debt, you know, standards of living and, and material well-being yeah. right, that may may or may not lead to people taking on debt. And then there's another role of public policy, I think, around regulation, right? So yeah. um, what kinds of ra- rates and fees are we going to um, condone or allow?
2: I love it. it, it great. It, you've opened a, a wonderful discussion for us. Dr. Uh, Lawrence M. Berger, also known as Lonnie Berger, Uh, We appreciate you there from the University of Wisconsin. Madison, thank you for your great work. Folks, I tell you, it's it's a system, right? We live in a system. And the system is, it's policy, it's family, it's needs, it's expectations, it's everything that's going on contributes to the behavior of our children and the well-being and health of our children powerful stuff, folks. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up the second hour. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, you know, you think about it, it's just easy to say, well, you know, if these people would just, uh, you know, save their money, they wouldn't get in this trouble and then they wouldn't have kids that have behavior problems. Oh, great. Easy for you to say. Again, most of us, I don't feel, truly get what it feels like to, um, to be completely underwater financially, you know, where you've got four lives hanging on your paycheck and it's already 30 40% below what you need. So let's be careful not to judge. Let's be careful not to not to just quickly critique and assume that th- this is just simply because people love to spend money and they don't have self-discipline. There are a lot of heroes that I think if we could go and look at you know, maybe the average worker at a fast food restaurant, a mother with a couple children at home trying to make a living. And again, you may not like these minimum, uh, uh, minimum wage options that are being proposed out there. And again, I'm a business owner too. I'm not a – I don't love being told exactly how much you have to pay somebody. When I have to have the discussion with my son to come vacuum my office – and um, he asked me how much will you pay me, and I tell him minimum wage, and he's like, "Yeah, no, not doing that. I won't. I won't work for that." And I'm like, "You're 14, boy. <laughs> this was a few years ago. You're 14. Well, I can get 10, you know, working on a food truck. No, you can't. Well, yeah, I can. Well, he got his job. He got a job this summer, and uh, he's gonna wash cars for." Just under minimum wage but some tips. Went to his first day of school or of of work. Came home that night. How would it go, son? Yeah, I want a new job. It's interesting. Work is hard. But uh, be grateful for what you do have, right? You – if you have the blessing or the benefit now to actually be ahead financially or just breaking even financially – It's a huge benefit to you that you may not even understand. People that have money live longer. Well, duh, because they can just sit at the beach. and Maybe. But some of it's simply because when you have money, you live in a different location. You live in a healthier place. Data has existed uh, from the American Medical Association talking about the fact that simply where you choose to live in the country will determine your life expectancy too, right? This is, this is the diet you're going to end up participating in. This is the, the friends your kids are going to have. Smoking, drugs, alcohol, all of those things decline when you have more income, interestingly. Would you believe that? According to a study in 2010, uh, in the Annual Review of Sociology, poorer people are more likely to smoke and drink in excess, which are both potential causes of dying younger. So there's a lot of this that's tied to your income. Exercise. People with more money are more likely to exercise. Well, sure, they got the time. That's totally true. The exercise, a lot of the... The um, poorer people might get is running to the bus that then has to drive them for two hours to their job. That's their exercise. They sit more time probably on mass transit trying to get to their home that's affordable. And wealthier people have the luxury maybe of just getting in a car or taking a shorter ride to their home. They're able to live maybe closer to work. Statistically, uh, uh, wealthier people are more educated, which decreases uh, or increases your your revenues, your incomes. There's a ton of benefits to it and wealthier people have more access to health care. And when we now find out that your debt and your debt load impact your child behavior – Kids whose parents have unsecured debt, who are constantly trying to get the credit card bills paid, who are going to payday loans, those their kids are going to struggle. Which came first, the kid or the payday loan? I would apparently argue it's the debt and there's a million reasons why people are in debt. Remember that. We are so quick to judge and we can't just judge. If we want to create a healthier community – then let's go fight for better rules, better laws to manage what people can charge as interest. I mean, I guess it's beautiful to just have capitalism, but there's a cost to capitalism that we are now maybe learning, and some of the costs to some forms of capitalism, or at least just extreme money making mentalities is simply it might be impacting our health and our and our behavior of our children. I mean, let's just look at it. You don't have to love it, but we can start to figure out why some people just can't seem to get out of this hole instead of having an immediate reaction that, oh, they're just not trying hard enough. Let's reverse it. Let's, wouldn't that be a great test? Reverse it for real. Have all of Congress go live in an inner city. Let's see how they handle it. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. It's out there, and you're part of it. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now
0: on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where uh, we give you uh, real solutions
3: to real-life problems. Or made-up ones. And we'll even make up a uh, a real-life problem. Some of the problems we talk about are definitely made-up.
4: 1 in 20 are correct, or 5%.
3: You keep bringing that number up. But
2: according... To the accounting firm of Shaline, Marquis, and Smith. Hmm. 95%, 97%. Wow. Of our stories are accurate and edifying.
4: Well, I think the inaccuracies, they, they give us better ratings, anyways. So I, it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, yeah. Got to put our 5% in.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Disclaimer. You know, Garrett didn't put in a disclaimer yesterday. No, he, he was just, board operating. Yeah, he just kind of went along with it. So he just goes along with it. Yeah, just a lot more quiet too. Isn't we'll, we'll
3: take that under the assessment we're, yeah. we're conducting. He doesn't just jump right in. Hey, uh, we've got a great show for
2: you. Are you going to jump right in, Ben? You're moving the mic.
4: No, no. Okay,
2: we're going to be talking with Rod Gustafson about the movies coming out, Jungle Book hmm. coming out, which looks great. Honestly, we'll, we'll find out about that. Um, Barbershop, The Next Cut. Great. Apparently it's getting good reviews also. Who doesn't love a movie about a haircut? Absolutely. And um, we'll get to that. We'll also be doing a Meet the Producer segment with our uh, producers uh, Kaylee and Liz. Liz is actually moving on. Liz Liz has found a greener pasture. She's graduating. Yes. And she's moving on. So we're going to do a little exit interview with her. Make sure we've learned. They wanted to talk about endings because it's like a pivotal time in everybody's life. So they're going to teach us a little bit about the power of of ending something. Hmm. And then I'm going to educate them. I'm just going not educate. I'm going to inform them. Give them some life tips. Give them, give them some life tips, a little life coaching as we kick them out the door. Actually, only one of them we're kicking. We, we kick the other one all the time. But we're kicking Liz out the door metaphorically.
3: Metaphorically
2: speaking. And we'll get to that, and then we'll, of course, visit our good buddies from BYU Sports Nation, find out what's going to be coming up on their show at the top of the hour. But first, let's get to the headlines with Joe Carson. Joe, what's going on around the rest of the country?
13: After Thursday night's heated CNN debate in Brooklyn, Bernie Sanders traveled to Rome to attend a conference on the world economy and social justice at the Vatican. The Vermont senator will arrive midday in Rome today with his wife, Jane, all four of his children, and four grandchildren. The international jaunt, which was organized and paid for by Sanders' campaign, comes just days before his home state of New York's Democratic primary. Sanders is expected to speak at the conference at around 4 p.m. local time before returning to campaign in New York City on Saturday. Sanders will not get a meeting with the Pope. Donald Trump has called the Bible his favorite book of all time, claiming nothing can beat it, not even the art of the deal, which is obviously high praise coming from him. But when pressed on a radio show Thursday to cite a favorite Bible verse or Bible story that has informed his thinking or his character throughout life, Trump didn't mess around and went straight for the Old Testament. Look, an eye for an eye, you can't you can almost say that. That's not particularly a nice thing, Trump answered, apparently referencing Exodus twenty one twenty three. Microsoft filed a lawsuit against the United States government Wednesday for the ability to inform customers whenever federal agents are looking through their emails. The company argues that by preventing Microsoft from notifying customers about requests for private documents, the government is encroaching on the Fourth Amendment, which grants citizens the right to know if their property has been searched or seized. Thousands of low-wage workers marched in New York, Los Angeles, and other United States cities on Thursday calling for minimum pay of $15 an hour in a cause that has scored major legislative victories in California and New York State in recent weeks. The union-backed Fight for 15 campaign has expanded since its inception in 2012 from a movement mostly centered on the fast food industry to encompass other low-wage sectors such as home health care, retail outlets, and hospitals. Back to you, Dr. Townsend. Thank you, Joseph. Joseph Carson.
2: Uh interesting, interesting news, folks. Um it is Jackie Robinson Day. You gotta celebrate this. April fifteenth, nineteen forty-seven. It's where they broke the they broke the barrier. They broke the barrier with Jackie uh by the way, Jack Roosevelt. I didn't know his name was Jack Roosevelt. Jackie Robinson in was born in nineteen thirty one. Died um, uh, in 1919. Died in 1972.
3: Did you see the movie Forty Two? Yes. The guy that plays Jackie Robinson is a guy named Chadwick Boseman. Mm. Great actor. Great actor. See today because it's Friday. We we talk. We're going to talk about movies,
2: and that's why you wanted to bring up the great actor Do you who plays Jackie. Next Robinson. project is
3: um, wh- uh, Del Murphy. No. What? He's going to be Black Panther in the Captain America movie. <sighs> <clears throat> Great. Just saying. That sounds exciting. I saw a clip yesterday. He looks awesome.
2: Uh, also, something that you have not been able to stop talking about, Terry, mm. was, is the Avatar. The, the four I, I, other I, I movies. mentioned
3: that once and kind of dismissed it. You can't I stop talking understand. about it. You make a movie in 2009. It makes tons of money. And then you don't make an, another sequel. The sequel doesn't come out till 2018. Well, you gotta, you gotta write. It takes the, time to write. No, there's something else going on here. Yeah, I think it's Jimmy James Cameron needs some money. I think he made 207 billion for a company, and he's just been able to string them along because he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He made 207 billion dollars. Billion or million? Billion. Avatar made... 2.7, sorry. Oh, sorry. $2.7 billion Avatar made? 2.7 billion. It's the highest-grossing movie of all time. That's gross. Ing. It's high-grossing. That
2: is... Really, that's a lot of money. But Cameron had a cut of that, right? Whatever the cut was, yeah. It
3: was a good cut. It better have been. Hey, um, he's also the guy that takes his little submarine and goes and starts exploring the bottoms of the ocean sure. and doing all that kind of stuff, that's too. That's right. so. Well, by the way,
2: do you think that he was the guy that discovered... Uh, the Loch Ness Monster? No, but I know there were some developments this week. They found, they found what they thought was the Loch Ness Monster at the bottom of... But it ended up being what? It ended up being a movie prop ah. from a movie they shot about the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> they just left it in the bottom of the lake.
3: Yeah, from the 1970s. It was you, down there. There and, was a video last week in the Thames River mm, through London. Yeah. There was something... <gasps> In the river, what? Someone moved their phone, kind of in a, in a sweeping way across the river as they're shooting out a and window. They found and something there was something like a hump or something that came yeah. out of the water. And do you know what it was? They have no idea. I'll tell you, and I'm not making a
2: joke here. Yeah. Uh, ISIS no. infiltrators. They don't have submarines. No, it's just a bunch of people floating down the river. <laughs> they're just swimming. Just swimming in the Thames. Who wouldn't? Hey, we're gonna play a game right now. What's uh, that? The game is called Take. A wild guest because today is take a wild guest day All right so Ben I'm gonna give you a chance to win many 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 daughter dollars daughters what many what dollars
5: <laughs> we Whoa. need
2: you to send in your daughters for ben. <laughs> what kind of show is this go ahead <laughs> okay it's take a wild guest day so um <laughs> this is incredible there is an egg shaped uh, there's there, there's something that looks like a big egg about maybe a foot wide crystallized egg that is apparently has been um, – they've basically – they had to figure out what is this hardened kind of rock and they found out that it is whale vomit, like a big egg of whale vomit. Apparently when they throw up, they throw up solids (laughs) or apparently it crystallized into a solid or whatever. okay What's it going for? What is the going rate? For a crystallized, about foot long, foot tall egg of whale vomit.
4: $1.8 million. No.
2: What kind of whale do you think this is? Uh, not even close. Why don't you go a little lower on that one?
4: $200,000. Even lower. $10. Higher. Faster. Um one hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars.
3: Just say seventy thousand please.
4: Seventy thousand dollars. Seventy thousand dollars is the right answer.
2: <laughs> seventy grand is the going rate. Now, the more important question than how much is it worth would be obviously why? 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 Well vomit. Why? You can't answer it, can you? No reason. Just a collector that, lo- that loves whales. In fact, I'm pretty sure Kaylee would be bidding on this if her father was here. We um, – <laughs> just a little inside <laughs> joke. We are going to um, have to cover a few other stories here. One story. Whale,
3: whale vomit is used in perfume making Yeah, and other uh, like – products and so they're able to take that and it's worth a lot of money it's gross it's like a big slimy sticky football but there it is Mm. pound of whale vomit and and people are going to wear that as Mm. perfume well it gets you know changed and altered and manufactured and it comes out with some properties that lead to you know Great smelling perfume. And then Kim Kardashian puts her name on it. Bada I, boom, bada bing. I guess. Product. If we knew what was in the perfume, you probably wouldn't wear it.
5: <clears throat>
2: <clears throat> Never. Hey, um, what do you think about this? A judge allowed an Ohio man to wear a sign declaring that he is a thief in exchange for avoiding jail time. Greg Davenport of Liberty, uh, Ohio, was permitted to hold a sign that read, I am a thief. I stole from Walmart for eight hours a day, for 10 days, in lieu of 30 days of jail. So we had to wear this sign eight
3: hours a day. Would you do that? If the judge said do that or go to jail? Yeah. yeah absolutely. I'd rather go to jail. Have you been to jail? No. I'd rather not try it out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to go there? No. But I'm. I, 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 this, this is kind of a trend. There's some judges around... I think Ohio had several of them. Yeah. Just they, public. just might be the same guy. They publicly shame a person who does a petty crime. He was trying to carry a 52-inch television out of the store. I paid for this. <laughs> I'd get the receipt, but it's in my pocket and it's kind of heavy. Yeah, so. you
2: know, I don't want to put this thing down. Unless you want to get the receipt out of my pocket, I'm just going to carry it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's good. It's public shaming. I guess... Uh, does it, that count as my, I mean,
3: you know It's either that or you put the guy in jail. Well it'll cost you money. Yeah. So do it this way and you just make sure the guy doesn't. It. It's not that big it, it doesn't cost as much, I imagine, as well is if we're gonna shame somebody, somebody, wouldn't it be more fun to do it another way?
4: I don't know. Does that count as cruel and unusual punishment?
3: There was a woman that took a taxi, didn't pay for it, so they had her walk the distance that she rode in the taxi, which was thirty miles or something, and that was her punishment. <laughs> she walked down the side of the road for thirty miles. This is great. I mean, I guess it doesn't I mean we just make it up now. I guess. Well, you're a judge. Oh, well, I mean, you know who's what? Tell you no.
2: at least you're not losing a finger. Right. I mean, he could lose a finger in another country. He could. How or many hand. fingers do you lose for stealing a television? Not sure. I think, it should I think it's be a, two.
4: Is a finger for every thirty inches?
2: Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. So
3: fifty-two inches.
2: Darn it! It's oh, like
3: wow.
4: one and a half. Ooh. It's the half finger that
3: I'd most miss. Yeah, because you almost have a finger. (laughs) Do you remember uh, Governor Scott Walker? Yes. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. He ran for president for about a minute and a half. Yeah. And then he he was one of the first ones to get out. Right, and everyone, he was the one. He he was one that was leading the polls initially, like he was supposed to be the bright hope to help the Republican Party, but it didn't work. So Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, once considered a leading candidate for the Republican presidential nomination, But he ended back in September. Seven months later, he's still fundraising in an attempt to pay off his campaign debt. Oh, wow. In an email sent to supporters this week, Walker maintained that he ran a thrifty campaign despite spending about $90,000 a day. Oh. Uh, In exchange for donations, he's offered to send supporters a T-shirt in a random size and color thanks to limited resources, which can be used for, as it says, quote, crafty things if it doesn't fit. They'll send you a random size. Look, here's the deal. We need money. And we're going to send you a T-shirt. May fit, may not. If it
2: doesn't, use it to clean up your oil spill in the garage. Wash your car with it. It's great. It's a great T-shirt. <laughs> that is desperate. It is. I mean, that's he, the thing. You ran. You're done. You're has-been. Now sp- you got to pay off your debt.
3: They spent so much money in that campaign.
2: Man. Well, last hour, we learned the debt creates behavior problems. It does. So this is why we got to get money out of politics or you're going to end up buying stupid shirts that don't even fit your family. But you could use them for crafty things. See, the neat thing about my family is he could send me a shirt in any size. I'd have somebody that it would fit. Well, not any size.
3: but adult, any, any, any adult size, you yeah. would have someone oh, that yeah. could fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or child size. Wow. That's... Well, if it's a child, they could grow into it. Yeah. True. True. True be weird to wear a Walker 2016 T-shirt in five years, but that's fine. Yeah, that's sure. fine. Who's Walker? Yeah, who's that? Don't worry about it. Just wear the shirt. It's it's good for crafty things. <laughs> he was an overspending governor that was running
2: for president six years ago. Hey, we're going to take a break, folks, and um, we will come back visiting with Rod Gustafson from parentpreviews.com. We're going to do a quick uh, review of a couple of movies that are coming out this weekend. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, giving you a, a strong launch for the weekend. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, a great... Um, a great joy today. We not only get Rod Gustafson joining us, but his wife, Donna Gustafson, is going to be with us as well from parentpreviews.com. And they're both film critics specializing in reviewing movies and media from a parent's perspective. Uh, Donna, welcome. Rod, welcome.
0: Oh, well, we're happy to be here.
2: Hi, Matt. Glad to have you. Now, we usually just have to listen to Rod, but it's so much better to have Donna. Don't oh, you believe
5: <laughs> Right, Rod? It
2: not <laughs> yes. to be rude. But, but it's totally true. So Donna, talk to us about Jungle Book. You you went and reviewed Jungle Book. What do you think? Is it a keeper?
0: I think that it is going to be, um, I think it's really going to appeal to audiences that are at least as old as the protagonist. So if you aren't at least 10, you're probably too young because it's a little bit scary. Oh, is but it? This, yeah, it is. This has been a highly anticipated film. Disney's been touting this uh, and it is amazing to look at the animals all of the animals in the movie are actually digitally created and so none of that is real so when you look at this poor little boy acting against all this backdrop of computer generated graphics it's really quite amazing but it's really quite convincing as well and that's part of the problem if you're familiar with the cartoon from 1967 mm-hmm. which most of us are you know yeah then you're going to find this one just a little bit scary because the realism of the animals and the realism of the live action takes the whole thing into a new dimension. And now, you know, when you're fighting with tigers and lions and you're fighting with um, monkeys and other things, those, those characters are much more real and much more scary than they were before in oh, the yeah. cartoon.
2: Well, and man, imagine just the, the difference today, graphically what we can do and the intensity we can create, this would be traumatic for a kid that's a little too young.
0: Yes, it will. And the story itself, they have revamped the story. I mean, it's still based on Rudyard Kipling's Book, the jungle book. Um, but they have, they've upped the intensity of the story as well. So you have the young orphan boy who has been found by Bagheera, who is the panther. He gives him to the care of the wolves, and the wolves have been raising him. Um, not surprisingly, he's having a bit of trouble living in the wolf world because the wolves do things that he can't do, and he's doing things that the wolves can't do. And it, they reach a point where they really have to decide what his future is going to be about and uh at this point Shere Khan who is the terrifying tiger mm. comes into play and he wants to kill Mowgli and that is said without any um you know without any niceties that's yeah. his intent that's what he wants and so with this murderous intent this young boy now is in danger and that sets off the whole you know the whole pathway of the story he is going to be trying to be one step ahead of shere khan um they're trying to get him back to the man village so that he can be part of that world instead of part of the jungle world but along the way he's going to meet a lot of jungle characters that are going to be a concern to his safety as well
11: wow
2: and i mean yeah like to overtly say that i'm gonna kill you that's pretty serious like <laughs> i mean it, all of a sudden th- is, these it. kids my kids would be terrified to be running from a tiger
0: well and there's a lot of chase scenes you know i are you familiar with the cartoon have you watched yeah, that one yeah. in your like,
5: you bet oh. well,
0: have in the monkey scene with king louis which is a take off on louis armstrong
14: and that's my favorite scene in the old movie <laughs> yeah it's beautiful <laughs>
0: That scene really amps the violence as well. I mean, King Louis is a terrifying character and, uh, you know, he actually is chasing Mowgli through the old ruins and trying to capture him and he comes off like a like a mob boss who's yeah. trying to get Mowgli to get him the secret of fire so he can control the whole jungle and
14: voiced by Christopher Walken. This is why I want to go see the film. <laughs> I want wow, to see Christopher Walken as the as, as the King big, yeah King Louis.
0: Anyhow, so I mean those scenes are quite are quite terrifying. So the. You know, it's a great action adventure for for your older te- uh, kids, and I think your teens would still enjoy it. And I think as adults who have grown up watching the other movie, you're going to find this quite entertaining as well. But it's a real roller coaster ride. It isn't for the faint of heart, and it really isn't for the little ones.
2: Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not the good old one, is it? It's not the good old <laughs> well, <laughs> Jungle Book. you know,
0: actually, in some ways, I. I this one has its virtues, too, because it is much more of an action adventure, hmm. whereas the other one was a little bit more silly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's pros and cons.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I guess this is why we, we need you guys to help us, to guide us through this. So you'll have the review up on the website at parentpreviews.com. And, and Rod, talk to us about really quickly, we've got a couple of minutes, about Barbershop, the next cut. What did you think of that?
14: Well, everybody thought this franchise was dead. It's been over 10 years since the last barbershop movie. Um, Put in a nutshell, if you're familiar with the the other barbershop movies, this this one is pretty much the same setup. It's a bunch of people in a barbershop, which is now a combo barbershop and beauty salon. And they banter back and forth about sex and about politics and many other things. But the overlaying story of this movie is the amount of violence that is in. Sorry. (laughs) now I'm there, and that's the problem when you don't talk too much in the morning when the amount of violence is in the city of Chicago and this is a very real issue, Matt and so in the movie, what they are trying to do is they're trying to figure out a way that they can stop the violence for even just one weekend by giving everybody free haircuts Hmm. and promoting this throughout the city that part of the movie is wonderful, I really enjoyed it the part that let me down was just the amount of profanity Profanities, the amount of sexual dialogue and whatnot that is happening in this film, and which is too bad because I think that that is really going to dissuade a lot of parents from wanting to share this movie with their kids, even though it's got some good positive messages. It's just tough integrating this real this real world crime problem that's going on in Chicago with comedy. The two of them just. They don't fit together. And by the way, I I screened the movie on Wednesday night, started writing the review yesterday, and I looked up. I thought, are they overdoing this violence thing? In 24 hours between Wednesday morning and the time I got up on Thursday morning, over 10 people were shot oh, in Chicago. Just amazing. I had no idea.
2: Tragic. It is It is an American tragedy that we hardly hear about. So I in one way, it's, it's wonderful they're addressing it, but you wish that they... <laughs> They could have, I don't know, held the story at a higher level long enough to to get people to go see it.
14: I wish they could have, too. And the story does involve a couple of young boys who are sons of two of the people working in The barbershop, the guy played by Ice Cube and the other guy played by Common, and these two young boys are getting pulled into wanting to be in gangs. And I found those scenes really instructive as far as how this happens and the emotional pull that these young people are going through. That part of it was great. Mm. It's just all of the other needless stuff that was in the film that I wish they could work on that concept. Yeah. the uh, they
2: just don't get it. Um, they well,
14: just don't get it.
2: <laughs> well, Rod and Donna, we appreciate that you get it, and uh, all of us go to parentpreviews dot com. Wonderful resource for all of the family, where you can go. Also, not just get the review, but you can also you know see their ratings, and and more importantly, maybe even get some discussion topics that you can discuss with your family to take it and make it an even richer experience. So we appreciate both of you, Rod and Donna Gustafson from parentpreviews.com. Thank you. And have a great weekend.
15: You too. Thanks,
2: man. Take care you guys. We will. Ta- and uh, when we come back, we're going to be doing a little segment with the producers, meet the producers, Kaylee and Liz will be joining us. This is be Liz's last, uh, Liz Miller is one of our producers. It's her last week. So we're going to be talking about endings and endings. Uh, you know sometimes the importance of a of an ending also it'll be Liz's exit interview stick with us folks this is the Matt Townsend show well done guys it's the end of the world as we know it. it's the end of the world welcome back everybody to the Matt Townsend show it is world, ah sadly the end of the world as we know it <laughs> One of our very, our our, our greatest among us
15: <laughs> for this week, Elizabeth
2: yeah. Miller, is leaving us. This is the meet the producer segment, but today it's going to be say goodbye to the producer segment. Yep. Also joining us is uh, Koala Danes, uh, one of the most popular bears in known to man. <laughs> Koala Danes, Koala, thanks for being here. Liz, thanks for working with us.
15: Thank you. (laughs)
2: We're going to miss you. You are incredible. Nobody could book guests like Elizabeth Miller.
15: Except for the rest of the team, I guess. (laughs) Thank you. No, hands
2: down. I think per pound, you did more guest booking than any other competitor in the ring.
15: I mean, I lost a few pounds maybe in between. (laughs) (laughs) You did. You're great. This is So (laughs) this is
2: sad. So you're moving on to some greater opportunity, greater than the 9,000. Yeah,
15: hopefully. Um, Well, grad school. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Just having been to grad school? Uh, not better than the Matt not,
15: Townsend not Show. Not better. Well, then I have a dark and dreary future this ahead This is you, as good
2: as, really as life gets, I Guess, okay. think. But when you're done, <laughs> now. come on back.
12: Just All right. come on
2: back. We're not going anywhere. Koala will.
12: <laughs> no, I told you, I'm going to work on the Matt Townsend Show forever. I'm never leaving you.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see what HR has to say about that. <laughs> Let, um, the ending, I don't like the idea of the, the topic you gave me of this segment is endings.
12: Well, um, it seems sad. yeah, with Liz leaving, we just saw a lot about how throughout our lives we go through a lot of endings. A lot of things are over mm-hmm. and we started making a list of all the things that are ending in our life and sometimes they are good and yeah. a lot of times they're just really sad. Well,
2: like Koala, how many times have you ended a relationship and come in and talk to me about it <laughs> or, or, an, or, or a relationship ended? How did you know that ended? was on the
12: list? <laughs> it's I like one you. of the third ones.
2: It's constant. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Life is about endings, right? Yeah. Things are going to end or mm-hmm. die. Sometimes they die.
12: Like you. Indeed. On here is the end of Matt's life. Yeah.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean by that? Because my, my <laughs> life's not going to end for a while.
12: Right. But we just, you know, we compiled a list and we wanted to be Scouts complete Mata. and be thorough. And-
2: okay. Okay. So what else is on the list? I mean, I guess it's the end of all of our lives eventually, right?
12: Yeah. So uh, why, why
2: is my name the only name on the list?
12: Because it's most important ending.
2: Because talent, that's when talent yeah, ends. Yeah, that's Once the talent's ended. We
12: don't have a job. Right, there's no more okay, I get it. Now it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. talent. Um, so some of the more happy ones we have on the list is it's the end of winter, which oh. for me means the end of pants. and I can wear shorts again, which is my favorite thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Those are good days.
12: <laughs> yeah, so the end of winter. I miss the old
2: days of pants. <laughs> Those are good times. Uh, what else?
12: We've got... Um, The end of, you said relationships, the end of a job, Liz, um, the end of a Netflix show you've been binge watching. That one's hard.
2: I don't like that. That's a rough one. That's a bad, because then, then it's like. You go through
12: withdrawals and you're hurt and you're sad and. You do. Yeah.
2: But then don't you worry like, do I start a new one?
12: Right. But will it be as good?
2: And will it be as good? Yeah. Yeah.
12: And you you open yourself up to feel that way about people again, because I get really attached to those people in the shows.
2: Hold on. Really?
12: (laughs) Very. (laughs) Probably more so than real people.
2: Keisha, you've got to work on that. That's not healthy.
12: I'll start coming into your office more.
2: Actually, you're fine.
12: Just do what you got to do.
2: Grin and bear it.
12: Um, We have some things like the end of your shampoo bottle, Mm -hmm. the end of your deodorant, and you've only done one arm.
2: Don't you hate it when you're at the end of the deodorant? And you just do one wipe and then like the little head thing flips it off across pops the
15: yes. it's like peace that. out world isn't that's been nice in your armpits, but I'm done okay,
2: but have you ever like then picked it up in its little pieces and then just still tried to make that last a little bit worse? Absolutely.
15: yeah you like try and fuse it together like. Yeah. you...
12: You know, breathe on it, try and yeah. warm it up a bit, have You're you like ever, using have you ever... it as lotion at that yeah. point, trying <laughs> to rub <laughs> it in there.
2: Okay, too much information. You just crossed <laughs> the line right there. Oh, okay Always these be. are good endings. Yeah.
15: Well, we talked about a few others, like the end of Hollywood sequels. Yeah, yeah, Which no, that was never not really going to happen, but it could. Yeah, yeah. that That's... was kind of a hopeful ending. Yeah. 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 Hollywood needs a sequel because they Maybe can't think of new stuff. Yeah. What about the sequel for Hollywood? Hollywood. What is that? Is that Bollywood? Maybe that's that's Bollywood. that's actually Bollywood. You know what? That's true. Okay. Bollywood. Taking over. Taking over. Um, Let's see. Netflix, really. Netflix. That's true. true. They're really doing quite well. They've taken a lot of
12: revenue. See,
2: so maybe things don't end. Many believe that the energy just goes into something else. Just
12: transfers incarnated. There you go. I can take that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't can do that.
2: believe in reincarnation myself, but I do with Hollywood. <laughs> with
15: Hollywood. <laughs> that <that's>, it <laughs> should <laughs> happen. It should happen totally. So we were looking for like just some advice on how to deal with these endings of you know school, a semester, relationship that you know sleeve of Oreos that you finally mm. finished and you still have that milk that and you kind of in- don't want to drink.
12: Yeah. yeah, the most important one is Liz and I are ending our friendship with yeah. the, after the completion of this segment. We will no longer. Be friends. Why yeah.
2: Why are you ending a friendship? You it's guys kind can, of
12: like a kind out of, of sight, out of mind. We have to. It's, yeah.
2: Well, you don't She's have leaving. to. Well, you guys have heard of texting.
15: Oh, I'm not a huge texter. Liz is terrible actually. at texting. Really I'm am. great at it. Emails? Yeah, have you
2: heard of emailing?
12: Um, yeah, I've heard of that. I'm also great at that. Oh, Phone could, calls? Maybe. It's mostly Liz. It's not me, to be honest. So, it is my so problem. So Liz is
2: ending the relationship. It
12: is me. Yeah. Um, just like every other relationship, I don't want it to end, but they do. Yeah.
2: Now, I've noticed that
12: there are some of them that shouldn't.
2: I, I totally noticed that. So, oh, my! So, life is so
15: sad. Liz, no. is that
2: why you could go to grad school here at BYU? It's a it's a university. You could get your graduate degree here, but you really want to move on.
15: I, I do. I, I need to move on. Also, they don't necessarily have my program that I'm interested in here. So, is,
2: don't they? Is it oh, kinetic really. here? Is it kinetic? Is she the one that's bothering you? <laughs>
15: um. I didn't want to say anything, especially not live on air, but um, I just – I don't know if she really supported the pigs for our uh, little drizzles hot chocolate cafe. I feel like she was secretly going to eat them all. You
2: guys presented – I
15: don't eat meat.
2: (laughs) You guys presented an idea. How
12: is that even fair?
2: (laughs) But you presented an idea that you'd have a a hot chocolate um, cafe – and as part of that, you'd have what? Was, what did we call it? Drizzles and
15: uh, drizzles and links. Wasn't it?
2: <laughs> drizzles and links. You'd sell. You'd sell. You know, pork product
15: for there me you know. and pork products and for her. My pets. See, I just don't <laughs> oh, like right. that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you like pet pigs.
15: Yes. Well, in well, theory.
2: <laughs> you know what? You know what? Every good thing has to come to an end. But
5: how and do you say goodbye? I
2: think the way the way you say it is you just say. Goodbye.
12: Oh, just okay. That, I just, that seems so like it's not heartfelt. Like Liz and I have been through so much. We started the show together. Mm-hmm. We we've been here since pretty much the okay. beginning of your. Time. I got an idea.
2: This is a way I like to end things a lot of times. Um, Lock one,
12: people out of your office. A, that I, I'll do that. Yeah.
2: You guys don't have an office, but if you want to borrow mm-hmm. my office,
12: <laughs> okay.
2: One of you could be in the office and the other one could be locked
13: out.
15: Okay,
2: that's All one
13: right.
15: thing.
2: The other thing we could do that I thought would be super fun. Is um, if you guys just why don't today take the rest of the day off, right? Okay. okay. Well, I mean,
15: intrigued, but well,
2: Kaylee's already worked her half hour, <laughs> so <laughs> just take the rest of the day off, and then why don't you guys go to lunch and just talk?
15: So, like, interact outside of work uh-huh, and talk. We, we do that and talk yeah, till you cry, yeah.
2: like cry.
12: Oh, that I don't doesn't happen. Cry easily. I, don't I don't cry. No. Okay, that'll well. take a long time. Yeah, we would be eating forever. Okay, so don't
2: do that. Don't do that. That's a
12: terrible idea. Maybe Are you what, a relationship expert?
2: You know what I like to do when I have to say goodbye to people. A lot of times, I just don't say anything and I just leave. Oh, <laughs> that sometimes just works.
12: slowly start
15: backing out. Yeah, <laughs> do you like drop the mic at all, or is that no, 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 no?
2: It's no that'll very make noise. Subtle. <laughs> so what you do is, I always like to just open my door and then I look out, see if anyone's there. And, I, and then sometimes Leanna's over there <laughs> watching me like a guard dog. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can get out, I just get out and then I just leave. So you might want to try that, Liz. That's another way to just that. say goodbye without saying goodbye. You know what I like to do too is make cookies and leave them for everybody and then leave.
15: <laughs> no, you ha- have didn't. you done that for
2: us? All the time.
15: When have – I haven't no, seen these. No, I've,
2: I've never left permanently. But if I were to leave like Liz, oh. Liz, I'd probably bring back cookies tomorrow on your last I'm, day.
15: I could do like the double chocolate chip, leave a little piece of me. Piece of remember you. that personality
12: test? Yeah.
2: Why don't you – if you mm-hmm. want to make it easier, you could just drop them off in my office and then I will distribute that. And then
12: you could lock the door. Them. It never ceases to amaze me how you manipulate us into making you things. What do you mean? cake. I feel like you're the only one who follows through, though. I know. <laughs>
2: you're the only one I'm very easily manipulated. manipulated. Tomorrow is our celebration for you, Liz. We're going to have a party for you. And and uh, quinoa here is going to make a quinoa, some quinoa food.
12: Sounds a bit something gluten-free, yeah. I'm sure.
2: And we're going to celebrate. So, and low sugar. So I want you to know, <laughs> you you're not going to be unnoticed.
15: So for endings, we either slip out without saying goodbye or we celebrate with quinoa.
2: Uh Or leave cookies at my office and I'll distribute them.
15: All goodbyes have to leave cookies at Matt's office. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, And there's nothing wrong with just crying it out.
12: Crying it out. Terry was telling me
2: just the other day that –
12: Terry cries all the time. He cries a lot. It's ridiculous. And so – That one Kleenex commercial.
2: I know. He says he either likes to hit people with um, spongy noodle things or he likes to just – cry it out so he doesn't even want to that's why i asked him i asked him four times last week to have a goodbye party for you Uh and he won't do it so we're having the goodbye party tomorrow
12: is he even going to show up we're not going to tell him and
2: he's just going to show up and then i'm going to say this is liz's party and then that's when he'll get emotional and that's when i need you quinoa to help him support him okay pat is back pat is back
12: I'm All not right. the most sensitive person, but
2: Liz, we are going to miss you seriously. Oh, and endings, See, but you've taught us something really interesting. Endings are part of life, right? Yeah. But endings are not an ending. It's just a beginning.
15: There you go. <laughs> oh wow! This is this is touching, Matt. Man, you got some good vocals.
2: We we spare no expense.
12: <laughs> Busting this choir for you. Mm. Yeah, just just good. take it in for a
2: second. Elizabeth Louise Miller
15: It's a good middle name The
2: greatest producer of all time Retiring her number
15: (laughs) Um, Ben Ben is also leaving Who? Not Ben, Joe Heavens Yeah, Joe's going to heaven Ben's leaving He just has been telling me in German None of you know (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're saying That's what I've been saying in German Well, Liz
2: You and Joe You guys make a great couple
5: (laughs) And we wish you both the best
2: Liz, you're the best. Thanks for sharing your time and your talents. And uh, quinoa, uh, learn from Liz.
15: <laughs> Always, just learn German.
2: And Liz, if you can tell her how to work more than thirty hours, thirty minutes a day, that'd be great. <laughs> That's the show, folks. Actually, we'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us.
5: And I'll take-
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little calmer music as we throw it down to our good buddies there at BYU Sports Nation. (sighs) Today it's Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard.
6: Hello, gentlemen! You know what we should do with this music, Matt? What do you want to do? We should read Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. (laughs) Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy.
11: Uh, I'm kind of feeling like maybe I should walk down the beach like slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, you know, like wearing like a... Like a, like a sweater? How do you walk or, or maybe like have the sweater wrapped <laughs> around my waist? You should yeah. walk.
2: No, or, oh, no, you have to have the sweater over your shoulders. Okay. Like, like draped over your shoulders. And then your hair, your long flowing hair is just blowing.
11: And looking longingly out into the sea.
6: Mm. Well, how about I read a Deep Thought by Jack Jordan.: Do you have a Deep Thought? Consider the daffodil. And while you're doing that, I'll be over here looking through your stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, Deep Thoughts by Jerem Jordan. Hey, guys, uh, what happened last night to BYU baseball?
6: They lost 5-4. Sometimes you
11: lose. And uh, St. Mary's. St. Mary's is, is a pretty good baseball team. Yeah. I they're, mean, they're, they're now tied. Here. Yeah, they're now tied uh, in the WCC standings now at 9-4 and four with BYU. So mm. this is a big game today. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, BYU, though, has always found a way to, to come up with a big victory. So uh, they've got Maverick Buffo. In a pitch today, he has only got one loss. I believe he's 6-1 and one overall. Hold on, that's his name? Maverick Buffalo. yeah. That's legit. Oh, man, I yeah. thought
2: that was like, you know, one of those hot dogs at the Maverick.
6: Can you, would you like a Maverick with buffo sauce?
2: I'll have a Maverick buffo <laughs> double, please, with extra cheese. Yeah.
11: And Matt, the, the mustaches are on the line today. Are Because they? if they win the series... Then they keep them, and they've won every series from oh, oh, oh. So they need to win today and tomorrow to keep the mustaches.
2: Yeah, you got to keep those mustaches.
11: Or well,
5: do
2: we? Well, I, I think those a lot parents. of the ladies on the campus would rather they shave those mustaches. Yeah. Just the creepy factor.
6: Yeah. <laughs> we talked about creeps yesterday.
2: Did, did you on the show?
6: No, you with us. Oh, yeah.
2: I, th- I can't believe you remember that.
6: There were two creeps on the show oh, yeah. yesterday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not on your show.
6: On a show somewhere. Yeah,
2: on a show somewhere out there in Showland.
6: In a state nearby.
2: Hey, um, you guys, talk about this uh, Rydalch. Holy cow. She's big league now.
6: The pride of Springville. So cool. Yeah, uh, 26th pick. Uh, what was the second or third pick of the third round? So Seattle Storm,
11: apparently presented by the X-Men or something. Yeah. X-Men Apocalypse, May 26th. <laughs> now, I think they actually had the first pick overall, so... I guess record-wise, they were the worst team in the league last year. That's usually how that works. So maybe she'll get some uh, playing time. Yeah, maybe
6: she'll yeah. get some playing time. She's That's cool. Player. Like she was built to play professional basketball. She's really, really good. So it's going to be fun to see her there. Jennifer Hampson will also be with the LA
11: Sparks. Mm. Uh, so we'll have BYU. will have two players in the WNBA representing. Yeah. Well, it's also really good for Coach Jeff Judkins because he's put quite a few players. Ambrose Anderson, Aaron, Aaron Thorne, Thorn. at least four. Yeah, I mean, so you, you, that's, that's something from a recruiting standpoint. You know, for those that have the talent and the desire to go play on the next level, you know, hey, I put four players in the WNBA. That's, that's a pretty good selling point.
2: Well, and for Jeff Judkins, that means he can get free tickets at four in four different cities.
6: That's right. That's true. I mean, if we're going to look because at it that what way. What does a man need? <laughs> WNBA
11: tickets for free. Hey, yeah. and let's be honest. Since the Sonics left... The only basketball, professional basketball being played in Seattle is the Seattle Storm. That's a great point. Point Exactly. And one.
2: And one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jerem. (laughs) Wham. Way to emphasize that point with a little fake saxophone. Yeah. That was beautiful. It's hard
6: to know for the listener whether I'm doing that now. I know. Before I did it. That's the trickiness of it.
2: Yeah. Uh, We've got some other great news that I know Jerem has been talking about for months Avatar movies. They've Mm -hmm. announced four more Avatars. No, they haven't. Yeah, they have. Four more. James Cameron is coming out with four more Avatar movies.
11: Yeah, but it takes him like six years to go in between. Will he be alive?
2: Probably not. His son's going to do it. Four more. Yeah, four more. And there'll be uh, basically Christmas of 2018. 2020 2022 and 2023 hmm the first movie okay. by the way grossed 2.7 billion dollars pretty good and and it, you guys might be really good at this they're going to need people to um to paint all of the all of the support cast blue Sounds so I'm thinking you guys might be really good at that because of cougar blue
11: I would but I don't want to
2: you don't want to you don't want to paint.
11: I would do it, but I don't want to. Yeah. Hey, you know what? And I don't mean to change the topic okay. from one movie to another. But do you? But here we go. We're, we're changing t- it. Since it's... we're referencing James Cameron here. Yeah. yeah. I want to know if I'm the only one that, that didn't know this. I I like watching documentaries and I was watching a documentary on Billy Idol, the the rock star. Yeah. Did you know that he was the original choice? To be the T one thousand in Terminator two? No, no. He and Billy he had, Idol. Billy Idol was going to play that role, but if you remember, in the early nineties, like nineteen ninety, he got into a motorcycle accident. Yes, and he broke his leg. That kept him from playing that role. Get down. <laughs> so, so the the role that Robert Patrick played in that as the evil Terminator in mm. Terminator two yes. was supposed Metal. to be Billy Idol. Metal. Wow.
6: Yeah,
2: that is a. Deep thought.
11: I did. I just. How did I you thought, go I, I there? be the only one By that Jack didn't Handy. know that.
2: Oh.
6: I it, didn't know that
11: either.
2: That is. You know what? That, I did not know that. There see? See, again, Jason, this is the stuff that we lose when you're not here.
6: Okay. It's, tr- it's true. Spencer and I do not bring this. I know. The useless knowledge,
2: knowledge <laughs> nobody cares about. Let me, just, <laughs> let me just share the difference. You bring that. You bring that, Jason. Spencer brings this. I would time.
1: win an election in the Vatican.
2: <laughs> Spencer doing Donald Trump. Did you good.
11: see Jimmy Fallon's show yes. last night? Wasn't that Bruce? great?
2: We played that earlier yeah, was today. Hilarious. Now you guys, you're still going to do your show thing, right? Indeed, we will. What will what will be on your show today?
6: Jackson Emery, former BYU guard, number one in steals all time, BYU. He'll join us to talk about uh, the backcourt next year. Only four scholarship players. Is that a concern for mm. him? Uh, the play of his brother Nick as well. Uh, we'll talk about you know the transfer of Jake Toolson and the impact that it has on the backcourt. Uh, for BYU and then Ben Patch, men's volleyball team, top ranked team in the land. They play tomorrow in the conference quarterfinal. Ooh! He'll join us in the studio as well. Sweet!
2: oh great show, big show. You guys. Plus,
6: we were trying hard earlier this week. You should see what we're doing today.
2: Is it, you're, you're really trying hard today.
6: We were trying so hard today. Oh my! Ben heavens. Bagley's gone, so we're tr- we're kind oh. of on scholarship today. While
2: well, the cat's away, okay, yeah. I understand. We do whatever. <laughs> There's no rules today on BYU Sports
6: Nation. Plus, plus we do have a special guest doing oh, some yes. voiceovers uh, later in the show. Really? You okay. May, you may have known him as the Tick, the or, Tick, or Putty from Seinfeld, or Wow, the Wow, dude in the wheelchair on Family Guy.
2: So, he's coming into the studio?
11: We
6: don't, we, well, we, can't, uh, we can't, we can't.
2: Oh, you're not going to tip us off? We can't give I get out it. too
11: many details. Yeah. <laughs> okay. just, just stay tuned.
2: Oh, this is fascinating. Stay dialed in. See, they again, the tease. Radio. Beautiful tease. Nobody teases better than BYU Sports Nation.
6: That's not true, but we appreciate
2: it. Excellent job. Have a good show, gentlemen.
6: Thanks, man. Knock him
2: dead. Knock him dead. And have fun at Avatar. All five of them. Uh, excellent stuff. They really do. They always have a good tease, and they always have great questions that, you know, make you think. Uh, here's a couple other stories we just want to make sure you know about. Just we don't want you to miss anything here. How about Rocket Man? There's a guy named Mad Mike Hughes, a stunt lover from Los Angeles, and he is planning to attempt the longest and possibly the most dangerous rocket jump in history. He's going to jump and or launch himself in a rocket. Across the Palo Duro Canyon in Texas, hopefully breaking his own previous record of jumping 1,374 feet. Hughes, who calls himself the current king of daredevils, will perform the stunt on uh, April 2nd. He's already performed it. I guess that's probably next year. At the Palo Duro Zipline Adventure Park, located 25 miles from Amarillo, he'll be using the steam-powered X2 Steam Rocket powered by pressure rather than rocket fuel. I think Mr. Hughes may be making a mistake here. Maybe we ought not use steam rockets.
5: Hmm.
2: That didn't sound very good. Hopefully we're not foreshadowing... Something for this poor guy. The tank is going to build up sufficient pressure. Then he's going to be launched off a steel ramp. And hopefully, I don't know how you land this thing. I guess a parachute. Woo! Well, good luck to you, Mr. Hughes. Hopefully you don't end up like the other Hughes that just disappeared one day. Uh, here's another uh, hero story for you. As you know, we love to end the show talking about the heroes of the world and this hero is named Joseph Spencer. He says he just happened to be in the right place at the right time when he was flagged down by neighbors about a house fire. Now, Joseph is a direct TV employee. Now, listen to what happened. He's credited with saving a disabled veteran's life. He said, I broke the window out there and yelled inside and saw a little bit of fire, a bit of stuff smoldering, but it was smoky in there. And he yelled out again, and I heard someone yelling, I'm dying, I'm dying, said Spencer. So Spencer you know, broke into the house, flagged down, and uh, they got in the house. He said, I got on my hands and knees, and I crawled and located him inside there and grabbed him and said, we have to go. And I, uh, the guy said, well, I have no legs, and he, this man ended up pulling him out. Spencer pulled him out, and, uh, out of the house, crawled out the window, and, and saved the man's life. Just an employee out there doing his job. The victim is a double amputee Army veteran who most likely wouldn't have made it out alive if it wasn't for a neighbor and Spencer. I took a second when I broke the window out to assess the situation and to understand what exactly I needed to do to get this guy out. I remembered to stay low and crawl on the floor, he said. Humble as ever. Joseph says he's happy, he could help, and thankfully the story has this happy ending. There wasn't any time to be scared or to second guess what I was going to do. I just came up with a plan and executed the plan. Mesa Fire confirms that the victim is recovering tonight, but he says that it's all the information they can give because the fire is still under investigation. But Joseph Spencer, you're the hero of the day. And uh, again, any one of us could be a hero. You this weekend are going to have a chance to be a hero, and it might just be a hero at home, maybe listening to your kids, uh, being patient with your family, apologizing for a mistake you've made, just being a nice person at the store. We all can be heroes. That's why we do this show is to help you see the good in the world. And for heaven's sakes, you got to know, folks, there's a lot of good in the world, and you are that good. That's one of the reasons we do the show too is to help you recognize that uh, if we all just pick up our game a bit, we all change the world. That's the show. We'll be uh, taking the weekend off until Monday. Take care of each other. We'll have it. We'll uh, have another show on Monday. Until then, be good.